the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 660. This is 660 of the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host Agostino Zynga and I hope you are doing well wherever this show may find you. I hope you are doing dashing, dashing, dashingly well. How am I? Not the greatest, all things considered, not the greatest, cannot lie. I've just come from watching United be absolutely pummeled for the majority of the game against Newcastle who didn't really have to move into fifth gear at all and deservedly won 2-0 and off the back of that you know the weekend's basically ruined no match of the day two for me um no real kind of jubilation on the timeline just misery and pain and a reminder a constant reminder as to why United and new owners quickly sharpish sooner than ever because we're just wallowing in this abject nonsense that doesn't seem to be never ending as long as we have the Glazers in charge it looks like nothing's really going to change when it comes to that relax so let's jump right into it because obviously I want to rant and I want to get this off my chest because it's annoying to see this happening year in year out but it seems to be the common sort of adage that keeps on happening whenever we get a new manager it's usually especially if a new manager is kind of a bit of a authoritarian usually the guys and gals that we don't like in our team who kind of you know falter by the wayside and don't pull up their socks and aren't actually getting themselves involved and whatnot and stepping up to the challenge they usually are the ones who kind of shine on the lead managers because then you see them you're like oh as you know you get gas you're like oh this so-and-so player just needed direction they just need an arm around the shoulder they just needed somebody to tell them this and that and this and that but the reality is a lot of these players in our team a lot of these players in our squad actually are just not the ones we don't have enough quality players who know really how to control the ball. You kind of contrast this game with how Man City played against Liverpool the other day and the, the lacking quality, the, it's just frightening. You look at even just the other game yesterday too, the Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, the levels of ball retention, the levels of quality on the ball, skill, passing was absolutely crazy. Crazy to see. Honestly, crazy to see. And, um, yeah. The only way this is going to change is if we get new owners, because at the moment we've got a whole squad full of players who have always been here during the Glazers, you know, ownership. Luke Shaw being a good example, who just seem to be able to get away with murder. But I feel like as soon as we get new owners, the demands will change, the requirements will change, and those players who I think have been stealing a living for the longest time will finally, finally be out, or they'll be kind of pressured into stepping up and fixing up. But I think the majority of them will probably have to go. Um, regarding the match itself, 
not really much to kind of speak about really I think for the most part Newcastle did come out on this game wanting to enact revenge it kind of seemed like they really had a bit between their teeth they knew that they probably should have won the FA Cup game that we had previously where we won and they wanted to basically demonstrate that in the league and obviously solidify their plans and their hopes of maybe finishing in the top four so for them it was a big game it's a big game for us also but for them considering they're under new ownership and they want to get into the Champions League and heading into next season it'll be a good opportunity for them to kind of you know have that in the back pocket if they want to go sign new players they really did come into us I think really hungry worse more more so than us but as United fans always get duped we, we kind of all felt that the international break came at the greatest time especially with Casemiro being out for the suspension with four game ban it kind of felt like the international break was a godsend for United because we're still involved in a lot of competitions and you'd think maybe the rest from a lot of our players would maybe do them good they could rest they could relax they could recover and then once the league starts again, you can just maybe get a little second wind out of them because we don't have the strongest strong we don't have the strongest kind of strength in depth in terms of squad wise. But as per usual, these groups of bottlers, these absolute wastemen of players that we have in our team, just don't know how to really kind of how to kind of be there for the team when the team needs them most. They need encouragement. They need the perfect scenarios. They don't seem to respond well. It just really is abject. And you can go throughout the entire team, but the kind of two positions I kind of want to highlight, that's a kind of, you know, goes back to saying where I think in general, United fans know better than most people is maybe Luke Shaw and Scott McTominay. Scott McTominay during the weekend or during the international break scored a brace against Spain and pretty much played the best game I've ever seen him play ever in his life. Um, when he played for Scotland, he played basically as an attacking uh, midfielder who was bursting into the box. He was running onto chances, finishing them with a plump in the box. Just looked assured, looked incredible, right? As an attacking midfielder playing in that number eight, number 10 type of role for Scotland against Spain, who are in transition, don't get me wrong, but Spain are still a top quality, top, top quality team. So Scott McTominay does this against Philippine, what's it called? He does this against Spain. And the whole fan base gets gassed. The whole fan base gets excited. We think, oh my God, Scott McTominay's back. Scott McTominay is this. Scott McTominay is that. We don't need Casemiro. Scott McTominay's going to do the job. And then Scott McTominay gets rewarded and gets to play against Newcastle away from home. And all the things that we know Scott McTominay to be, which is basically scared to get on the ball, his touches, you know, I think were really low in terms of being a midfield player. I think it was somewhere in the 30 mark in terms of how many times he touches the ball in the midfield, which is really, really low for a midfielder. He was hiding everywhere. His ball retention was abject. His passing was diabolical. There was one pass I remember in the first half where he kind of picked it up in the middle of the park and he just needs to kind of float a ball either over the top or around the defender to kind of give it to Anthony on a wing, who at the time was having a little bit of a good time against Dan Byrne for the first maybe 10, 15 minutes of the game. Instead, he passes it right into the path of Dan Byrne and that gets him excited. And then he kind of runs onto the ball, gets into our half and they have a bit of a, you know, possession time, whatever it may be. But just really lacking in just the ability just to pass the ball to his wingers out on the wing without the defender intercepting it. Just poor quality. So the basics of being a centre midfielder doesn't have it. Um, the courage doesn't have it. So you're already having basically a minus midfielder in, in that kind of position. So essentially Sabitz is playing by himself in there. Then you have Bruno Fernandes playing in as a number six for some reason. I don't know why, why this happened, what the change was about. Maybe, you know, Ericton Hawk saw something different or saw some holes in Newcastle style of play that he could exploit. Uh, Bruno Fernandes as, as a deep landing playmaker is pointless. That guy is proper shit. And the thing that's really annoying about Bruno Fernandes is that he thinks 
he is really elite. He probably thinks he's probably better than United. But I would argue that if Bruno Fernandes went to any other club who was in the top four, top three in their league or, you know, European challenging type of clubs, he'd be holding bench at a lot of these places. He'd be a squad player. He'd be someone that you'd rotate in and out. But at United, he gets a captain's armband. He doesn't ever get subbed off. And he's constantly, constantly, constantly there. And it's just annoying. I've had enough of that guy. Enough of that guy. Moving on to the other player who I want to quickly mention is obviously Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, the club were very smart in that they gave Luke Shaw a new deal during the international break. So no one can really kind of argue about it because it came during a, maybe a good run of form. He usually plays quite well for England. So it's a bit hard to kind of get all up and bother about. But me personally, I've been a really big critic of Luke Shaw from like from, from day zero, to be honest, because I've never really thought he kind of lived up to any potential that he once had when he came to us. And for somebody that's been at a club, I think, if I'm not mistaken, you know, over 10 years, it is pretty diabolical that somebody like him who's had, I think, more average seasons than great seasons has been rewarded with a four-year contract. He doesn't deserve it. There's nothing that he deserves a four-year contract for. If anything, he's one of the players who maybe should have been having a contract on a, upon maybe approval of the new owners. Once the new owners kind of get in place, the new ownership is going to go through before the start of next season. And then, you know, we've got the summer window there. Then Eric Ten Hag can decide if he wanted to give Luke Shaw a new deal. But this stinks of the Glazers coming in and basically trying to tie down a valuable asset to make sure that he's price or value doesn't depreciate but I don't see how any other top quality team would sign Luke Shaw to a four-year contract because I don't think Luke Shaw's playing any better than a Jack Cancelo and Jack Cancelo got loaned out by Man City I don't think Luke Shaw's better than Jack Cancelo but look at the difference in the ruthlessness that they have mid-season Man City decided to send Jack Cancelo out on loan to Bayern Munich because he's not cutting it and that's entirely changed their season but I say United we have to kind of make do with Luke Shaw and kind of suffer through his absolute abject nonsense and don't get me wrong he looks fitter he looks way more lean he clearly looks like he's been working out because he's not wearing those undershirts they used to have on any more time i feel like those undershirts were usually a sign that he wasn't maybe the most comfortable in his body maybe he felt brittle maybe he felt a little bit chubby whatever it may be he just didn't look great now he definitely looks way more professional he looks way more like he's on it but still as a professional footballer should you be really be credited for looking good and for looking fit shouldn't that be the basic requirement if you're training two times a day five times a week you should be able to kind of be in top quality shape it's not really that much of a you know of a compliment to tell a football player that they, they look fit so if anything that's maybe goes to show you just how poorly he's been playing and some of the substitutions throughout the game Eric Ten Hag also needs to hold a lot of this I think the players is taking majority of the blame but some of the substitutions were horrid I thought taking off Anthony who I don't think had a bad game but I still don't think he deserved to come off was really a mistake in my opinion especially when you consider he was the only one who was brave who was asking for the ball who was trying to challenge and take on Dan Byrne and they were having I thought a pretty good battle um out there when you're playing on the wings I quite did I did enjoy that for the most part I did and I honestly think he's one of the only players that we have in our team who has a personality to kind of try things and be brave and take it to the opponents taking him off I thought was a big mistake but then I also thought the other big mistake which is really bizarre was taking off two centre-backs and then bringing on Fred and Lindelof, I think, whoever it was. But whoever it was who came on, we end up then conceding another goal. You know, we end up conceding another goal when those two guys came on. So clearly the substitutions didn't work and a lot needs to be kind of levied at Ericsson Hugg's feet because I can kind of see where he's coming at. 
I think he came into Union's United side, looked at what we were and how basically lacking in ambition that we were, how maybe devoid in, you know, risk, um, you know, how, how devoid in like courage and personality our team is. And I think the best way that he could have done to kind of rectify that in a very short space of time was to make sure we're challenging for all competitions, right? Make sure we're on, in the running for a lot of these competitions. That would maybe allow the players an opportunity to put themselves under pressure and then he could see which players step up, which players falter and then be able to kind of, you know, plug the gaps in, you know, along the way as he, as he can go. And of course, with their transfer windows going on. But I think as the season has progressed and we've seen that maybe the best chance that we've got to solidify ourselves in the league is maybe to kind of, you know, finish in the top four and maybe win a domestic trophy. I think he should have prioritized soon on. He should have prioritized very early on what competitions were going to be the most important ones and put all those eggs in our basket into those competitions. So whether it was finishing top four and winning a league tie and winning a cup, whether it's one of the FA Cup, the League Cup or the Europa League should have been focused on and then just dismiss the rest of them because I don't think this team, this squad has it in them to compete in all of those competitions. It just doesn't have it. We ran out of steam in the league where there's opportunity for us to maybe challenge Arsenal for it. That faltered. Now we're faltering to finish in the top four, right? There's no guarantee that we're going to win the Europa League. There's no guarantee that we're going to be doing anything in the FA Cup. It's a really, really crazy time right now. Like we're in a bit of a weird one because I feel like as these losses progress, especially away from home, it's kind of zapping away to any confidence that we had in this team. So we're getting in a really bad position. But then I want to quickly move on again to Bruno Fernandes. I've always had a bit of an issue with the guy because I generally don't think he's as good as what he thinks he is. And I generally do think a lot of the stats around him kind of really do paper up a lot of the cracks. A lot of people just look at the stats and think this guy's quality, but really I've always come to the conclusion. I don't think he's better than, you know, the Manish of the world who used to play for Inter Milan during, you know, um, Rujosa Mourinho's spell there when he won a Champions League. I don't think he's better than that kind of player. And Manish, I thought was a decent enough player, but he's not somebody you look back on in the game and think, oh, he was world class. But people put Bruno Fernandes in that category. I don't think he's even in the same category as a, as a Kevin De Bruyne. And Kevin De Bruyne isn't really having his most vintage season this season either. But he's still kind of putting up numbers for Man City and still very important. But I don't think he's even that much of a personality over there. And I just think in general, he does that thing in, you know, when the team is losing, where he starts throwing his arms up in the air. He starts, you know, just, um, gesticulating to flipping players, telling him where to go, where to put the ball. At the end of the match, after playing stinky, right? He had a stinky performance, horrendous performance, flicking the ball around the corner, trying long balls that didn't work, generally being off the pace, doing that thing where he does where he just running around like he's tired everywhere and doesn't want to do it. At the end of the game, when the players were going down a tunnel because they're embarrassed by the result, he starts shouting at them to go and say, you know, clap at the flipping away fans. Like, she has to do some, like, big, some big game Charlie type, type of thing, right? It's to kind of be like, oh, I'm the captain, I'm the leader, go over there and, you know, applaud the flipping away fans. And, you know, that sort of stuff is only done for social media. It's only done for the top reds to make him look like he gets the club. But really and truly, what he'd done on the pitch was terrible. That him just, you know, him pointing at his teammates to tell him to go clap at the away fans doesn't hide away from the fact that he played like trash. He played like trash, absolute trash. Talking about trash, we have to talk about Trashford. Marcus Rashford was back to what we know him to be. And um, yeah, that was a really vintage, horrendous performance. Absolute zero, um, in my opinion. No real attempts to take on the defenders. The passing was all over the place. The runs were weird. He does have that in his locker nowadays. It feels like Rashford has those things where he goes on a good run. 
then he kind of goes cold then he goes good and he kind of goes cold he kind of reminds me of the last stages of Raheem Sterling at Man City where you could feel like his time at that club had kind of come to an end but if Luke Shaw is getting four-year contracts and he's been playing shit for time there's no way we're going to get rid of Russia anytime soon he's probably going to get a new contract too so I'm one of the only people who I think fan-wise who has basically written off the season wherever we finish we finish I don't really give a fuck the most important thing we could do as a club is make sure that the owners the Glazers sell and ideally sell to a Middle Eastern consortium personally I want us to have an ownership that is ruthless an ownership that cares only about glory that cares only about trophies so that the demands on this club will get back to where they need to be again so the demands are not on the floor again because i feel like a lot of these clubs all these players sorry are getting away with murder because the club is essentially built on finishing in the top four finishing top six um one marquee signing here and there it's not really built upon hey we need to win the league title again we need to try and challenge for the champions league we need to win um the fa cup you know maybe you know two times in four years or something no it's not that we're in a different sort of league so at the moment the requirements are quite low but as soon as soon as soon as we change as soon as we change ownership we'll be back where we need to be i see someone in the chat mentioning sancho to be fair to sancho when he did come on i thought the game was already lost really devoid of confidence anyway but it doesn't look that inspiring that after his rehabilitation time that he went away from the club for whatever issues that he had he came back and he's still not starting games especially when he's not involved in the england setup you'd imagine this break would maybe make him have the ability to maybe you know jump ahead of some people and get more starts and he still doesn't look like the manager completely trusts him or you know 100 or maybe he's not back to being 100 either so that's a real big concern and i think in general in general going forward we definitely need a change in terms of how we recruit players and what we do going forward because i still feel like the cause is really really mishmash in terms of the kind of wingers we have the type of attacking players we have type of midfielders we have like even looking at the team the fact that we got casemiro out and we're already looking so shaky that's a really big concern but then the final player i want to mention is what weghurst weghurst might be might be and he's got competition only because of somebody like an Andre Ayu. But I think Weghorst might be worse than Andre Ayu. He might be the worst striker in the league. He might be the worst striker. He might be up there with the Ayu brothers. Andre Ayu and Jordan Ayu are probably up there in terms of being like categorically the worst center forwards I've ever seen in the league. Don't score goals. They hardly, you know, contribute to the attacking play of the team. They just seem, I don't know why clubs continue selling them because they're clearly horrible, but Weghorst might be up there because of his size. Despite being six foot six, right? And looking like he's strong, he gets bullied off the ball super easily. He doesn't win headers. He barely scores headers. He doesn't hold up the play at all. Um, the only thing that he does allegedly is pressing. But I don't see that either because he looks very lumbersome and very slow when he runs around. He kind of reminds me of when Peter Crouch would try and press and run around the pitch. He's very laborious, very slow, very whatever. Maybe for a certain type of game, he works well, but he's terrible. He's, I don't think, in my opinion, he, and again, I hated Fellaini because I thought he was another representation of how poor we were in our recruiting that we overpaid for somebody so average. But I think Mara Fellaini is way better than Wakehorst. I'll take Fellaini now. Then that then have Wakehorse up front. At least with Fellaini, you know you're going to hold up the pool. You know you might score a screamer here and there. You know you might get onto a couple of headers. This guy doesn't even win headers. He doesn't win headers. And he's six foot six, apparently. 
he is terrible, literally terrible. And you have to look at the manager again for picking someone like him when you've got the players that were available at the time. Um, you know, the profiles of strikers that we needed really was Wakehorse the one that we needed. Is he really any better than Martial now in terms of form wise, in terms of threat to goal? I don't think so. So that's a real, the only thing you could say for him is that he does make himself available. He's always fit. He does give his all when he plays, but those are, you know, those are, those are the prerequisites. I'm not going to give players credit for being fit and for turning up to do their jobs. That's, that's really ridiculous. But in terms of quality, this guy, Wakehorse is absolutely shocking. Legit one of the worst players I've ever seen in my entire life playing for United, like up front, like legit. Especially when you can consider all the amazing strikers we've had over the years. Wakehorse is diabolical, legitimately diabolical. So, um, yeah, no surprise really. Um, credit to, you know, Newcastle for doing what they did in general. I did enjoy, um, just from a stylistic point of view, their second goal, I thought was done and taken and took them pretty well, especially the kind of, you know, the looped cross at the back post from Bruno Guimaraes, I think. And then, you know, um, what's his name? Um, Saint Maxim nodding it back across the goal unselfishly for an on running Willock to come and do a diving header, which again, we don't see diving headers a lot too often. I think stylistically diving headers are quite nice to see. So it's nice. So, you know, credit to Willock for doing that. So second goal was definitely great. Well deserved from them. And in general, they played, you know, they played pretty well considering you know there's not a player there's not a, lot, not a lot of players in this squad that i would have in mind personally um and again big shout out to dan burn as well the guy is what a six foot six left back um who i think had a bit of a hard time against anthony especially in the fa cup and maybe so in the first 20 minutes of the game but dan burn is like it's like that thing a lot of these players nowadays don't have He's just got that bit of metal about him. He's just got that bit between his teeth. He's got that mentality where he's always going to try. He's always going to put himself forward. He's always going to be brave. He's always going to take a risk. Uh, and clearly he enjoys defending. And I feel like sometimes playing in that kind of position when you're left fullback, if you get beaten a couple of times, it can probably take it out of you in terms of your confidence. It can probably make you think you don't want to get embarrassed. You don't want to get turned into a meme. You don't want to become a gif. You don't want to be put in a compilation. So you just back off from your winger and then that winger obviously gets their tail up. They start to attack you more, more space opens up and then they kind of exploit it, which can lead to goals. But I feel like Dan Byrne is always constantly, you know, getting behind his flipping winger, pushing them, giving them pressure he fouled Anthony a couple of times he fouled Rashford out there in the wing he was constantly putting in on, on people from the minute one to the 90th even when Sandra came on he was putting it on him as well so he didn't stop from one second and it must be difficult as well because he's not the fastest you know um, player out there but and it's also being the tallest he is playing against very nimble low center of gravity type of wingers it must be difficult but Dan Byrne gets a lot of kind of praise for me for just being really quality and being able to kind of um you know uh put his best foot forward and keep on defending even though you know he's playing against Anthony a player who clearly enjoys taking the piss out of fullback so big up Dan Byrne for that great performance and you know fuck us in general our next few fixtures coming up are going to be spooky the league tight the league table is looking really really crazy right now um that's just going to get that up we're already kind of I think if if um I think if West Ham no I think if Spurs win their next game we might be fifth yeah Exactly. If Spurs win their next game, we may be fifth. So it's looking really spooky for us, especially when you consider, you know, what's happening now in the league. Newcastle got their tails up. 
um, you know, most likely now, especially with Chelsea changing a manager, they may come up again. Liverpool might have a second wind. It's looking really crazy when I thought we had the fourth place sealed and done, but now it's looking like, you know, we're in a real dog battle when it comes to getting fourth place, especially considering all the other competitions we're in. So it's not going to look fun. It's not going to look healthy. Personally, I would prefer it if at this stage in time, especially with the amount of suspensions we have and the players are injured, I would really like it if Ericton Hogg decided, hey, I'm going to take and take a decision. I'm going to focus on these competitions alone. And then sacrifices one because we can't do all of them. We can't. We don't have the squad depth. We don't have the quality. We don't have the personality. And we don't have the ownership, you know, basically, um, that would demand that from these players anyway. So I think it's best we just focus on one or two things and see how that goes. But, you know, um, those things are easier said than done, especially when a manager trying to kind of lift up the standards. So what can you do? What can you do? Okay, moving on from that one. Let me quickly move on to this one. Bear with me a second. I'll get up. So, um, and most of you are aware, I hope most of you know anyway, um, Tyler Creator released a deluxe version of his album, Call Me If You Get Lost, and he titled it The Estate Sale. So it's a little bit of a different sort of flip on... Um, it's not a different flip, really. It's the same sort of flip, but he kind of presents it in a different sort of way. But if I'm not mistaken, I think he might have done like three or four music videos for this, which you don't usually get from people who do deluxe albums. Usually deluxe albums are like an opportunity to like throw out some bonus tracks or maybe tracks you've been maybe featuring on your Instagram stories. And you didn't put them on the album. The anticipation builds and then you put them out for your fans later on, but they're kind of throwaways. But he's actually putting a lot of effort into this bonus and he went out and filmed actual videos for these tracks which is really weird so it makes me think that a lot of these tracks that were added to call me if you get lost the estate sale may have been actual tracks that were done that you just couldn't fit into call me if you get lost stylistically which says a lot about tyler the creator as an artist that he was not willing to put tracks that i feel are bangers and are definitely going to go down in his discography as some of his best records on his album because it doesn't stylistically fit with the overall theme of it because a lot of these artists nowadays don't have any theme there's no sort of style style kind of you know tying the tracks together of an album it's just a selection of the best 10 plus songs that they've done in a year or two year period whereas i feel like tyler is definitely somebody that's sitting down and crafting an entire project and making sure that it's somehow cohesive and you have to kind of give the guy credit for it i also like the fact that when you put out the bonus track he didn't do what some people do which is annoying where they'll reorder the, the order of the album and slip the bonus tracks in and between them so that you listen to the whole thing and i also like the fact that he put them more at the end because that's how bonus albums were back in the day if you bought a bonus album so a deluxe album all the bonus tracks will be at the end onwards or there'll be a second cd so from safari which is i think the last track on the actual call me if you get lost all of these tracks from 17 down to 24 are the bonus records so it's that eight isn't it it's that eight, yeah eight records are the new ones over there so they're all done in that kind of way but i think just personally for me personally i'd much prefer it if we got to a point where deluxe albums weren't a thing and artists just put out the bonus records and put them out just a single year you know a, a kind of an eight track ep 
because I feel like this sort of like trend of re-releasing the album with the other tracks on there, it's just an easy way to kind of game the streaming numbers. And it's not really a nice listening experience for the fan because you have to kind of figure out what the bonus tracks are. It's not really clearly labeled. It doesn't tell you when you download an album off of Apple iTunes. It doesn't say, hey, these tracks are the bonus. It just lists it as it is. So you have to kind of go to the track list and check it out and see where it is. Is it at the top? Is it at the bottom? Have they mixed it in? But, you know, um, Tyler did make it easy for everybody by kind of adding it at the end. So give him credit for that one. The tracks that I really like out of this one, number one, kind of have to mention, is Boyfriend. Um, girlfriend, which is allegedly is a 2020 demo, which is absolutely insane, featuring YG. Um, I'm not the biggest YG fan. Um, Drake of the Ruler, you know, RIP Drake of the Ruler, we know the truth. Um, just in general, anyway, Drake of the Ruler beef aside, I've not never really been the biggest YG fan ever, but I feel like Tyler, as per usual, is really, really good at pulling these features out of the, out of his ass, essentially, and basically presenting an artist that you maybe didn't like that much in a different way and making them sound amazing. I I think he did the same thing with NBA Youngboy. He did the same thing here with YG in his track. I think this track is an absolute bop. If anything, this track reminds me a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. I'm not sure some of you guys know, but there's a song on, um, what's it called? Snoop Dogg's album with the trees. I think it's called Bush. I think actually maybe the one that Pharrell maybe produced. It came out a few years ago. Snoop Dogg's got this album that's kind of like a disco-y type of funk type of thing. And I think it's track eight or nine or something from that album. It's, um, I think it's called like Runaway or something like that with, um, with Gwen Stefani. I feel like that track sounds a lot like Boyfriend Girlfriend. It's got that similar sort of like, you know, disky, disco, indie dance type of bop to it, which is really, really cool. I think every artist has one of those kind of um, you know bops in their kind of catalogue that they kind of put out that probably do well in streaming and probably just are a good little you know adage that they can add to their discography but I feel like that's definitely a standout for me and I definitely 100% enjoyed it and then the other track that I really like was What A Day What A Day was legitimately amazing 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 track I think I've got it here um, allegedly produced by Madlib and wow 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 the last kind of section here towards the end lyrics wise like the entire thing is a really clever sort of like flip on flexing i think there's a good little bit here on verse two where essentially is tyler saying the stuff that he doesn't do which is a really cool way of saying the stuff that he does do which kind of separates him from everybody i really really do enjoy it it kind of starts out on verse two saying look i don't fuck with parties i don't fuck with paparazzi Never have drove a Hellcat or a Maserati. Never needed others for my personal validation. She ain't getting touched if she cannot hold a conversation. Never had a bulky Richard Milley as a wristwatch. I've never seen a Miri. Never posted on TikTok. Never had desires to promethazine in soda. Never had eye contact with a woman in Fashion Nova. Never had a fit in no lane. Never wore Beats by Dre headphones to get a video made. Uh, bunny hop validated peddling. Um, hitting wheelies like Chris wrestling just look around every opportunity allocated i put so many niggas on you thought our dj khalid made it from cold showers i used to hate it now i'm spending 15 for a new roof it ain't renovated i could see the ocean where i sleep and the house is gated 
no Calabasas, I Brentwood it or Palisade it. The freckled girl's articulate art got me salivating. I love it. Wall is Henry Taylor with the trunks. I be playing Jenga. The last tour dog, I cleaned house. They mad I made it. I'm so conceited. Feeling myself ego masturbated. I graduated after album five. I got syndicated. You want the old T? Sorry, G. That picture faded. Come get it with me. Like, goated one of the best verses he's done in a while and i just love the play of being able to kind of flex by actually not flexing by just mentioning all the stuff that you don't do like this is legitimately a really cool little piece here and um amazing and kind of just motivating in general if you want to just listen to it i think that's one thing you kind of always get from tyler the creator records is really cool motivational talk that isn't i don't think condescending and kind of feel like comes from a core place and definitely comes from a place where a lot of people can sort of relate to by being kind of overlooked and kind of you know dismissed and now you're suddenly in this position where you're kind of calling the shots but i do like he's he's in a space where he's also willing to maybe remind people of just how awesome he basically is right his achievements and what he's been able to do without being maybe praised for it and maybe being acknowledged as other people would be acknowledged because he kind of operates in this sort of weird space where he doesn't really get claimed super hard by hip-hop people he doesn't really get super claimed i don't feel like by the whites on pitchfork and shit he just kind of exists in his own little you know space which i think is pretty cool personally but it must be a bit of a mindfuck for him as an artist because he probably doesn't feel like he just gets the accolades that he probably should deserve um considering how kind of influential and amazing he is but there's a really cool part I think that's really interesting here, which kind of shows maybe the evolution, the kind of, you know, the space where Tyler is as an adult, where he says this on verse three. Yeah, I'm a dead poet, tabletop and stomping. I'm a free spirit. I have a whole jail jumping. Ever since a youngin, I moved at my pace, scared of having youngins because I like my space. Selfish ain't the word. Regret ain't either. Before you get huffing and puffing, take a breather. Put yourself first if you're living with a dream. Be your biggest cheerleader. Motherfuck the team. Really interesting, huh? track so it's basically him basically saying how he's in this position where now he's thinking do i really want kids do i really want to start a family or am i just in a space where it's just not for me and i like how basically in this verse especially in the few opening lines especially here he basically says it's not that he's selfish it's just a choice because i think now at the moment a lot of people you know the conversations around people don't have want to have kids is that they're being selfish and not really thinking about the greater good they're not thinking about you know um adding to their life adding to their you know timeline contributing to society blah 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 when really maybe it's just not for everybody as much as it kind of you know has become a bit of a trend nowadays to start families with randoms maybe for some people it just doesn't necessarily resonate or click and it probably is better off to when you recognize that early on in life then it is just to kind of try it for the sake of it and then realize it's not for you and now you're responsible for a whole human it can be very very sketchy in that regard especially if it's just not something that you can kind of want or it's kind of it's calling for you and then i really do like this bit here at the end because it's going to put me onto the last section i want to talk about tyler where he says put yourself first when you're living with your dream be your biggest cheerleader motherfuck the team right and i feel like maybe again i'm not really seeing it too much but i listen to quite a bit of music like from different sort of genres and i literally don't think i've seen somebody promote themselves as hard as tyler does when you consider how popular he is I don't think there's anybody else in any genre who really promotes himself. Look, 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 look at this. Look at the image here. 
Look at his media on his Twitter. He's got six pictures of screenshots from his own album that he's sharing. I know people do that. People maybe drop an album. They may do some press, some radio interviews, share those clips and stuff. Um, and that's about it. And maybe share a link or two, but people are really shy and maybe reserved about sharing or promoting their art too much, which I've never really understood. And I think we've all kind of had that issue. I think if you're a creative, um, doing your thing, it can be difficult. Even if you've got a SoundCloud mix that's got two listens on it, uh, or you want to share a bit of art on your stories, it can be just hard and cringy and embarrassing to kind of post that sort of stuff online. But really and truly, if you're not your biggest cheerleader, as Tyler the Creator says, who's really going to advocate for you? Who's really going to be, you know, flexing and stunting? for you online if you're not going to stand for yourself so Tyler does a really awesome job of promoting and pushing what he does constantly like you look at his Twitter um, feed now which I think is the best place to kind of see all this um, him posting a screenshot of the of the Sorry Not Sorry track it is what it is again Sorry Not Sorry is another really great track another one him not posting it out um, little, I guess little tidbits in terms of his inspiration or what he's thinking behind a track. For the track Boyfriend Girlfriend that I said featuring YG, which is one of my favorites, it says, as a kid in LA at my mama's friend's house, um, corrupt or quick will be playing dominoes being slammed, plants in the air, running in and out of the house. These sounds are like that environment. YG fits so well, could have figured a bridge out, so I kept it off the original album. Um, another track here. This is for Dogtooth. Um, that, who that boy vocal twang. I love it. Ace creator 07 asked piano, just statement after statement. Got a bounce to it. I haven't fully leaned into it. Love this one. Sunny but airy, if that makes any sense. Um, and then for the other track here, Heaven to Me, which is absolutely beautiful to me. I think that's the one that, um, Kanye may be produced. It's a John Legend once again a album is special to me. This Kanye beat still leaves me speechless. I had to such a warm sound. Another hand held one mic take. Uh, beat felt like it um, highlight reel of my life, so I lean into it. Okay, cool. So this was recorded the same way that he recorded Wiltshire which is one of my favorite tracks off of Call Me If You Get Lost. Wiltshire is, uh, definitely resonates with me. I've identified a lot of the stuff that's being spoken about on that track. That definitely was one that touched me when it first came out. Another one here is Wolf Talk with um, Rocky. Um, his tippet here says, my favorite, absolute favorite. I love rock over this type of shit. R&B grooves is my DNA. The go, go, go. Um, at the end, I thought I was Coco over the B Morgan track, ha. Huh? Another one here, what a day, would skate home to this mad lib beat as a teen. It's so feral. Um, this is like my best raps. This and Dogtiff is the best representation of my brain right now. Love it. Vincent, I've, Vincent, I first song. I couldn't figure out the hook of this one. Saved my life. Gold slug, white tank top, two rag music. Yep. I really do love that one as well. And him obviously highlighting 10 years, you know. Of his other album, but yeah, promoting and you know a music video, Dogtooth, promoting music video for Wolf Talk, um, sharing clips and stuff. And this is another thing that he does. I think Ty does really well, where he kind of, not to sound like you know pretentious, but he sort of educates his fans on how to behave as fans of his. So he wants fans of his to be um creative. He wants fans of his to be to kind of be fearless to go for their things he wants them also to be like very um engaged with music in general to kind of talk about the things that they like in a song sections lyrics uh parts of beat breakdowns bridges 
um, themes or whatever things they pulled from me. Like he loves Tyler and that sort of stuff. So obviously he asked people to kind of point out bits and he's retweeting it and kind of commenting on it. A person here says the Braggadocious first verse on what a day's elite fam. Um, another one here says, uh, before I go, 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 before I go, definitely a great part. So he's definitely done a good thing of like educating his fans on sort of how to kind of engage with him on the music that he makes. And I think that's a really smart thing that he kind of has done over the years. That's obviously lent him to probably having, I think, a pretty good, I think, all round fan base in general, if you think about it. Like he's got a pretty decent one in terms of how they basically interact with him and whatnot. Um, and what they kind of stand for and don't stand for. Like I even look at, I think at the bit when he was talking about Wiltshire, that girl he basically, took from his best friend at the time um a lot of fans kind of found out who she was at the end and you know, i think she popped out anyway but she wasn't that well known beforehand and a lot of the fans i remember seeing on reddit were kind of defending him and saying hey don't post the details on there and stuff and really kind of you know honoring his kind of um insistence on being private with some parts of his life and i think that comes from this ability to kind of engage with his fans where he does and kind of teach them good behavior which is again really dumb thing to say and it kind of makes his fans sound like dogs i understand that but i feel like he does a really good job in doing this because you know the fans listen to the music i feel like these are some of the fans who actually listen to the album from top to bottom they clearly screenshot bits that they like in terms of lyrics um i, I like this as well um someone says here when you spoke on how you feel about having kids this is always my thought process but now i have a son on the way i can't lie i'm still scared and now my space is gone but it's cool because what i spoke about in heaven to me lifts my spirits up when i think about life at 40 and he says yeah i'm thinking i'm down just to be a rich uncle tyler cross says having kids is not the end or and be off everyone but who knows so i'd love all the stuff he's engaged with his fans. so yeah the promo run's been amazing again if Tyler can do this, this is definitely a sign for me myself to not be as kind of, you know, up my own ass and shy about doing my own thing as well and promoting the stuff that I do because even I find it difficult to do so, especially when you're flexing like this, right? Um, he's got a quote here that says, um, somebody quoted and said on Twitter, when you said I got a jelly bean Kelly green, um, Roy's and the guts off white like a jelly jalapeno, he says, you hey, I ain't gonna lie. And Tyler says, it's facts, true story. And he posts a picture of his own jelly bean Rolls Royce um, in a garage somewhere in some place that's really snowy. Maybe it's another a house that he has somewhere in a foreign country. But this is absolutely incredible. Like, so yeah, big up Tyler. Definitely inspiring. The album's absolutely amazing. I love everything about it. Um, bonus tracks are banging. Um, obviously, highlight for me um, definitely has to be What A Day. Definitely has to be Boyfriend, Girlfriend. Um, sorry Not Sorry is a bit of a bop. The Stuntman track with Vince Staples above all of them are sick heaven to me obviously the flipping um, Kanye beat is absolutely amazing it's all flipping slap so yeah big up Tyler the Creator I love everything about it it's really really good album check it out if you haven't already please do check it out if you haven't already it's definitely one of the great ones out there at the moment then of course we have to mention this so as most of you know um a drake track didn't leak actually he previewed it on his radio show which is on sirius for some reason i think he's just collecting the bag for that show um because it feels like i don't know who listens to sirius maybe you have to have a car to have that sort of shit i've not really listened to online radio in the slightest but probably for him it's an opportunity to collect a bag and maybe program an actual radio show because those are pro quite cool if you're a musician to put songs together put mixes together maybe throw out some tracks like he's done with this rescue me track and see how it floats so um this rescue Rescue Me track was debuted on Drake's um, radio show produced by Binks and a lot of people are going crazy for it. I personally don't think it's that great overall as a Drake record. I think it's all right, but I think he definitely has better, which is probably the reason why he probably leaked it on that radio show because it's not something that he's super, super sold on. But the premise around it is interesting because 
this is just a reminder of just how deep running and deep seated this rivalry or this hatred between Drake and Kanye actually is. Because just when you thought they were okay, just when you thought things were back to normal, Drake decides in this track, Rescue Me, to feature a section of Kim Kardashian talking on a show, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, where she basically mentions um, why she decided to finally break up with Kanye. I think the actual YouTube video clip from that show is titled Kim basically on when she decided to break up with Kanye. And I think the quote from here on Genius is as follows. It says, I didn't come this far just to come this far and not be happy okay that's fair remember that you didn't come this far just to come this far yep that's not on the internet so this is the bit that she says on the flipping um on the on the little clip um kind of highlighting why she's not with Kanye anymore why she decided to kind of file for divorce and the funny thing is is that I think this probably has less to do with Kim I would assume so and I just think in general from what we've seen of from what we've seen from what we've seen of Kanye so far especially when you think about the beefs he's been having between the last two years or so where he went on full attack mode um with Tremaine uh, from Dead in Tears um when he was attacking who was he attacking just anybody that wasn't basically agreeing with him he attacked you from ambush and stuff and the other scene people will kind of wash his hands of him it's clear to see that he's already he's been on he's been on this time for a long time but we've only seen it recently the public i think he's been acting this way in the background for a while and i think if you factor in drake's relationship with virgil and how close they were but how and how much virgil and kanye were going through it at that time too but we didn't we weren't aware of either they were kind of on an off and on relationship to the point where when virgil unfortunately did pass away the family never invited kanye to the private funeral and they didn't let him talk at the public one so clearly there were still some issues happening um that were going on at the same time that you know basically virgil's on his deathbed to the point where you know his family wouldn't forgive kanye or move on from it so there's no way i don't think that can't drake also didn't have the same issues or was around hearing the same sort of things so that might tie into why the hate is so strong and definitely goes to show you whatever that larry hoover concert is that we saw that was obviously great for content um definitely great to see them perform on that sort of stage together it was definitely something that was done more so as a sort of nod and a respect to jay prince as opposed to them guys as a reflection as to where they are relationship wise it definitely is never going to be there again back to where it must be or back to where we kind of would hope it would be between those two guys it just isn't going to be a thing especially when you consider how often he flipping mentions um kim and kind of alludes to it because from what we know so far again internet you know we're outsiders we don't have any information with these people from what we know officially is that drake may have hit some other of the kardashians in terms of the mom and maybe a couple of the sisters but he's never been you know intimate we know of with kim but he kind of alludes to her in every way possible kim doesn't dismissing anyway as proper possible and i think drake knows it definitely does touch um kanye's nerve a bit to kind of be under this idea that oh did drake smash my girl my ex-wife yes or no and obviously drake kind of plays into it because he's a master of psychological warfare but i just feel like this was a funny track to kind of go back and highlight and kind of leak out, especially at this time when Kanye's kind of keeping himself low not really being on socials too much for Drake to put this out is really really scummy and kind of goes to show you especially when you find think about the kind of contest of the record it being basically him pleading with somebody out there whoever wants to hear him that he's ready to kind of settle down and you know um 
what you call it retirees bachelor life flipping jersey and whatnot and he's got this random break in between where he kind of features kim talking about why she broke up with kanye it clearly is a bit of a diss clearly there's no way if you're kanye you can't take this as an insult so it's just funny to see that these guys are still going at it it's definitely something deep lying and my theory is that it definitely has something to do with virgil 100 has something to do with their ongoing beef anyway in terms of maybe drake feeling like kanye big timed him um by you know leaking the track and not giving this track and the stuff with Pusha T it just goes too deep and I don't think they'll ever be back on good terms as they were before it's just gonna be one of those things that is gonna maybe learn to coexist but the time of them being good again is completely over and I think Drake does a good job of keep on reminding us of just what time it is at the moment but yeah the track itself I wasn't that fond of it but you know big up them regardless or big up him regardless of kind of putting that out there and making it be known because it's good to see so moving on from that one obviously we need to talk about this so um the top g's are out of prison the top g brothers are out andrew tate released from jail um and his brother um after being in there for what maybe for like six months i don't know how long they were in there it felt like ages and they're finally out now um oh no it says here right they were put into custody the 29th of december bumper outed so they're finally out on house arrest at the moment pending trial and um yeah man the internet kind of blew up when it did come out so the funny thing about this is that it probably has it probably has done a lot of favors for their popularity like as much as people online like to kind of dismiss them and kind of you know um label them as criminals um you know human traffickers rapists whatever they want to label them as this um kind of enforced time of solitude incarceration sorry not solitude incarceration has definitely increased their profile in terms of celebrity like they are way more famous now than they ever were probably will ever be unless a trial goes crazy and it probably is the best time you would imagine if you are on some scumbag time this might be the best time to sort of pivot because i'm still not sure i've seen so much stuff out there i've seen you know i've seen kind of accounts from women that who have allegedly worked with these guys talking about how bad they are i've seen accounts from other people who worked around them who have gone anonymous about how bad they are i've i've listened to that vice expose about the things that they said online i've seen all this really bad representation of who they are as people but i'm still not sure if what they say about these brothers is actually true or if they're just really unpleasant unlikable people because i think those two things can be separated like are they actually criminals or are they just deeply unlikable in this kind of you know general society we live in at the moment where people are a little bit woke a little bit sensitive if you have these two guys coming out and being ultra quote-unquote misogynistic and whatnot and toxic maybe with some people with most people out there they just don't want to hear that sort of stuff right they just don't they just don't kind of um, react to it nicely so i don't know if that's the case or if are they actually evil are they actually like who they kind of you know are they actually what we kind of all think they might be i'm just not too sure but i also think this whole top court period this whole arrest this whole court case could be an opportunity for them if they actually do want to make a change to turn it around and maybe decide to kind of be legit it could be because there's too much there's clearly too much attention being put on them at the moment people are clearly looking at them with a real microscope they analyze everything they do so they can't get away with any sort of foolishness so they just have to have to turn it around you'd imagine have to turn around you'd imagine so but again um maybe it's too late for that and if there's too many bodies buried in the forest you don't know let's continue so 
Clash of Sky News. It says controversial influencer Andrew Tate and his brother have been released from jail in Romania and placed under house arrest for 30 days instead, according to court documents. The self-proclaimed misogynist <laughs> 36 and his sibling Tristan were released from the detention facility in Bucharest just before the midnight local time. Andrew took to Twitter to, to um, after his release, posting a smiling face emoji and a link to sign up to his website saying, email regarding my release will be sent in 24 hours. I don't think he sent that email still. He's just drumming up a number of sign-ups the influencer has posted a video of himself walking around the room while smoking with a caption suggesting he found absolute clarity of mind in prison um he says here since i've been since last year i've been in 24-hour lockdown no yard time pacing a three meter cell with zero electronics or outside contact absolute clarity of mind real thoughts real plans vivid playing one hour home and i can't stand my phone some habits die hard we must defeat shaitan it's it's kind of crazy that they got put in prison in solitary confinement maybe because they're so high profile but the fact that they weren't allowed to come out of their cell once for yard time is pretty wild 24 hour lockdown <laughs> and they've got no charges filed against them just yet is really really insane so that makes me think now why would somebody go to that extent are they doing that because you know um they're actually done some crazy heinous things is it to protect themselves i don't really know um, anyway, continues. Um, says, leave the facility. Tristan told reporters, the judges today made the right decision. I respect what they've done for me and they'll be vindicated in the decision because I'm innocent and I can't wait to prove it. So I like that they're doing this also. They're kind of playing nice and they're not saying, go fuck the judges. I should have been out from ages. Let my nuts hang. They're obviously trying to be as agreeable and as nice as they can because this is clearly going to be a case that's going to be one you'd imagine or swayed on whether they can convince the judges that they're decent people because for the most part it looks like they've just been put in prison since december out of spite <laughs> you know what i mean just to kind of teach them a lesson because they were talking way too much about how lax romania is and how much it was basically like some mad max city where you could just do what you wanted and it was maybe embarrassing the romanian government and there is a theory out there at the moment that allegedly they're trying to clean up their image internationally they don't want to be known as a sort of safe haven for criminals and whatnot and sketchy folks so they want to rehabilitate their image and what better way to rehabilitate their image romania overall um with the world than by locking up two people that a lot of people think are very um toxic and maybe have a bit of a shady past criminal or whatnot Anyway, that's a theory people put out there. I don't know if it's true. The brothers then pushed through the crowds to a car with darkened windows and drove off while supporters taunted Top G, Top G, and name many of the Andrew Tate fans refer to him as. Um, the pair, along with two Romanian women, um, Nigel Georginia and Georginia Manuela and Radu Alexander Luana, definitely Romanian, isn't it? Bloody hell. Are investigated by the prosecutors. Georgina Manuela has been widely reported to be Andrew Tate's girlfriend. The four suspects have been detained for months of allegations of human trafficking, rape, and forming a criminal gang to sexually exploit women. Oish. They declined all accusation they sorry they denied declined Andrew Tate's communication director Matei Patrescu said they're not a fight they're not a flight risk and they're not a danger to the public safety therefore the authorities have decided to release them under house arrest it's just a small step they're still under investigation and um, they're absolutely ecstatic they keep their spirits um they are really thrilled looking forward to being at home they've kept their optimism throughout an order from the appeals court in bucharest said it rejects the proposal to extend the detention of the preventive arrest measure regarding the andrew tate's um second emery the court replaces the measures of preventive the documents the conclude that it orders the immediate release of the defendants 
luxury cars taken away. So, um, let's see here. Let's see what happens. Um, personally, I think if they are guilty of some of these things, then maybe this opportunity to kind of, you know, gather your forces, get your story straight so that when you go to court, you can present yourself in a better light. Um, it could also be, again, a pivotal moment. Maybe they decide to go actually legit because a part of me thinks they can't be stupid enough to use their fame or not to be as famous as they are now and do some criminal stuff. It just doesn't make sense. But a lot of these criminals are dumb. I saw a video recently of one kid, I think it may be in Atlanta or something. He's walking out of a petrol station or a gas shop somewhere and a police officer walks in and he shoulder checks a police officer, some little scrawny kid. And the police officer kind of stumbles and he grabs him and says, hey, what are you doing? Why are you shoulder checking a police officer for? And the guy's like, oh, sorry, my bad, my bad. And the police officer, of course, searches him once they're on the floor and he finds a fucking gun that's obviously unregistered and shit, converted flipping gun or whatnot, which is definitely going to put the kid in prison already for a felony. That's already like minimum five years plus. So that already shows you the intelligence of some of these criminals or some of these guys that kind of live by that code is really, really on a massive scale. It kind of goes from super genius to like re insanely redacted. So it wouldn't surprise me if somebody who's involved in shady shit would also be very willing to be on social media talking about all this nonsense and purporting to be a certain type of person having all these eyes on them whilst doing all this shady stuff in the background wouldn't surprise me but i feel like these guys have a bit more sense than that so if they are doing that then you know they're fucked anyway if they weren't and they were thinking of it this is probably a good sign from the lord above that don't do it go legit and just stick with that because you know these guys have got and andrew tate's got that top g thing he's got right where he's got kids paying what is it $50 or something stupid. I think last time someone, I saw, saw an article somewhere that said he's got like over a hundred thousand people paying like $50 or something or whatever it may be to be in this flipping private discord. It's like, what? Like the numbers are insane. So these guys are balling out of control. Um, and if that's the case, you don't really need to be doing all the other extra stuff. That's a little bit, you know, especially when it comes to the cam girl stuff, all that stuff, it just gets a bit shady. So you don't really need to be doing that. So if they can kind of knock that off the head, and stick to the kind of quote legit maybe a little bit more palatable things then maybe it'll work for the best of them but I also my mind of thinking would the Romanian government really be keeping these guys in prison since December 29th on a rolling 30 day you know refusal or flipping release type of thing if they really didn't have anything legitimate substantial on them it just seems a little bit unlikely isn't it you don't really get arrested like this just because of nothing it doesn't really make any sort of sense really i don't really know what the truth is really to be honest um but i guess we'll have to kind of find out and then we've got this article here courtesy of daily mail where it says andrew tate blames jealous women who know nothing of his arrest of human trafficking so that's who he's blaming the people around him but again you have to kind of look in the mirror when you're that kind of person and think as much as those people may be to blame you also have to blame yourself to kind of bring them around but let's quickly read the article it says a misogynist Andrew Tate. I like saying that all the, every every article misogynist, misogynist, misogynist. Misogynist Andrew Tate claimed in documents that women use the legal system to punish men. It has been revealed in the legal documents. Tate claimed jealous women who know nothing had what's that? Uh, had 
masterminded his de detention and that women used the judicial system to punish men. Take 36 and his brother uh, Tristan, 34, along with a long two alleged female accomplices were released from Romanian prison on Friday. Let me just pause this. I hate all these autoplay things, man. It's so annoying. Uh, RIP Nip. It says they were arrested in, in dramatic December raid on suspicions of several offences and forming an organised crime group. In a tweet on Sunday, the Tate promises loyal followers who he refers to as G's an update in an email. Um, Let's continue here. The legal papers, which were translated by Romania, uh, from Romania by Sunday Times, show that the Tate brothers are accused of taking advantage of women's vulnerabilities and forcing them to work 12 hours a day just with just one five minute break. Woof. They allegedly preyed on young women isolated from their families with a history of sexual abuse. And Tate has previously said that he would make them fall for him. Um, this technique known as a lover boy method. The victim said the women who worked for the brothers were branded with tattoos that read owned by Tate. Um, the Tate said in a statement to the police that women understand how to use the judicial system in order to punish men. I think these statements against me are given by jealous women who have, who know nothing and just ask me for money to go shopping. Um, the brothers released a statement when they released on Friday um, said that there was 0% chance that they would be found guilty speaking after the release Tate said freedom at last it's a bit emotional I've been in my one room since last year so it's a bit emotional I want to give respect to firstly to the judges who are here heard us today because they were very attentive and they listened to us and let us free so I have to give them absolute respect for that I have no resentment in my heart for the country of Romania or anyone else um, it's just believing the truth I believe in God and the fire of truth will eventually destroy all lies and anybody who lies on a long who lies on a long enough time frame will feel the sting of regret and i believe this um that's a very very sinister line in it i have no resource i believe in god uh and the fire of truth <laughs> eventually destroys all lies and anybody who lies on a long enough time frame will feel the sting of regret and i believe this um, I truly believe that with justice I'll be served in the end there is zero percent chance of me being found guilty of something I have not done I maintain my absolute innocence and I think most people understand this and I look forward to being home Tate also claimed that he uh, he now know the absolute character of four in the bizarre topless video the, okay cool but we know the guy so let's see what happens with them um, personally I think this should be an opportunity to go legit if I was them and I was doing scumbag shit um, but it also could be a little bit too late for that there could just be so much mad evidence against them that just kind of puts that kind of shit to bed once it finally does go to court we'll see a lot of stuff get revealed but I'm eager to see what they have on them because um, so far it just feels a bit circumstantial it feels a little bit he said she said um, but maybe there is some actual hard-hitting evidence that these guys are legit scumbags we have to kind of wait and see on that one we'll have to wait and see on that one moving on i want to talk about this which i thought was really hilarious i think most of you guys have probably already seen this already but this little tiktok video went viral over the last few couple of weeks which features sofia coppola's daughter um basically getting on you know tiktok without her parents permission she happens to be i guess 16 or something so she isn't allowed to use social media which is a bit of a mind fucking itself how you know parents who clearly aren't at home all the time have managed to enforce a rule like that and basically have it be a great like you know she's basically not been on social media for all that time if I, I find that really difficult to believe like how did they, are they able to keep a 16 year old off of social media that's a bit of an achievement especially in this kind of era but um anyway she decided to jump on tiktok and put together this really legendary 50 minutes 50 sorry 50 second tiktok that essentially um 
says everything you need to know about her and how she's grown up and the kind of dilemma that a lot of these rich influential parents have to face where they're kind of fighting tooth and nail and with all their might to make sure their kids don't end up being a nepotism baby but sometimes you just can't fight nature your kid just comes out the way they come out based on circumstances they've kind of been born under and they just deliver this you know classic classic tiktok that i think will go down in tiktok history make vodka sauce pasta with me because I'm grounded because I tried to charter a helicopter from New York to Maryland on my dad's credit card because I wanted to have dinner with my kid friend. Okay, let's get started. I don't know the difference between a garlic or onion and I just had, I just had Google images of onions on my phone. I'm embarrassed, I'm embarrassed. Also, I thought I would do this since I'm already grounded because my parents' biggest rule is like, I'm not allowed to have any um, public social media accounts. Here's why. <laughs> it's because they, they don't want me to be a nepotism kid, but TikTok's not going to make me famous, so it doesn't really matter. But is this an onion? Because I feel like this is a little bit onion. This looks like the inner working so right, And this, right. yes, we're on. And this is Ari, um, my babysitter's boyfriend, because right. my parents are never home, so I, these are my replacement parents. I almost put the house down. Uh, what do you think about the helicopter fiasco? Oh, I like fiasco, because it's like a feminine form of fiasco. Oh, it's women's history month, so. <laughs> okay, well, now I'm just waiting for um, Ari to come back with my ingredients, and I will see you in part two where I actually make the pasta. Make vodka sauce pasta. Did you hear this? This girl got kidnapped. This girl kidnapped. This girl got grounded by her parents because she tried to charter a helicopter to go and see her friend. Or was it to bring her friend to her? What did she say? Was it to bring her friend to her? Or she, you know, um, I tried to charter a, a helicopter on my dad's credit card because I wanted to have dinner with my camp friend. So a friend she went on camp, she was missing dearly during this time of being grounded. She went to see that friend and decided to book and a flipping helicopter on her dad's american express or something and got caught and then got grounded <laughs> and decided to deliver one of the most insane tiktoks i've ever seen where this girl that's 16 years old or something around that kind of line doesn't know the difference between a garlic and an onion <laughs> i don't know if she's trolling again if she's trolling this might be one of the best videos of all time but if she legitimately doesn't know anything different between a cucumber sorry a garlic and an onion it reminds me of that video of Kendall Jenner trying to cook in the kitchen and she cooks a cucumber really weird. She cuts it in a really strange way, which kind of makes you believe that she probably doesn't cook ever. And for the TV show, she would need to have a scene where she looks like she's doing stuff in the kitchen, but because she's never actually used, you know, a knife to cut vegetables or to make anything, it kind of had this weird kind of grip where she's sort of like gripping it from the top and then cutting the thing with her underarm. It kind of reminds you of that. So this if anything her not knowing the difference between a garlic and an onion is essentially more nepotism baby than maybe her you know becoming a really big director or something just because of the sake of her parents that's most of a flipping you know telling on that regard i love it and the male nanny as well in there um you know changing the fiasco to a feminine fiasco is absolutely genius and the people have kind of found out that that male nanny is like a phd in his own self right he's kind of just earns this money on the side but he's essentially a lecturer with a legit phd in whatever field that he works in which is absolutely insane and here he is you know going through all the stages of higher education killed himself right put himself in probably a bit of debt as well along the way and now you know the thing that's probably making him the most amount of money is him looking after you know this 16 year old kid that basically has life essentially made up for them as long as they don't do anything too stupid but i just love i just love this kind of like first world problems you have to be in especially when you think about Sofia coppola Sofia coppola is probably the best representation of a famous kid 
because she's a grown up lady now, of course, but she's basically legitimately a talent, right? She's definitely one of the um, best directors out there, regardless of gender. She's flipping amazing. Her movies are really good. And a lot of her movies, actually, if you think about them, touch upon themes of nepotism themes of privilege um themes of you know social decay unfairness like you know um trouble in terms of flipping you know um handling fame and all that sort of malarkey she touches a lot of those sort of type of themes that you'd imagine probably are things that she probably thought about a lot during her life with having a father that was incredibly influential in the things that he'd done across you know, over the years especially when you think of the good father and all that sort of stuff it's pretty um it's pretty crazy it's pretty crazy it's pretty crazy to think about that she kind of, you know, is essentially went through that entire thing. And then, you know, unfortunately birthed a kid who, you know, instead of trying to become ta- great and talented or whatever she wants to do is spending most of her trying to either charter a flipping helicopter to go and go to come and see a friend to have dinner with a friend or something and thinking her parents wouldn't find out. Absolutely incredible. How you'd even charter a helicopter in the first place is absolutely crazy. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a website nowadays like, like an Uber that you can just use to charter a helicopter, but I'd imagine it's not the most simplest of process. Um, there's probably a lot of things you kind of have to do to make sure you get that on the end, but this is probably things that, you know, rich people probably have access to in terms of services that you can ring up and use but yeah um big up sophia capone's daughter legendary tiktok it only lasted one we don't have any more she's kind of disappeared i'm assuming sophia capone's probably incredibly embarrassed by her as well but i do think that was quite hilarious to see that in real time this girl coming out and essentially trying her best um, to not to not show that she's a nepotism baby but she basically is because who wants to do that anyway moving on from that one Moving on from that one, we got this. Quickly want to touch upon this. So I saw this recently and I want to just ask an, an open-ended question here. Like, what the fuck is going on with the Aries? Like, someone someone needs to get a hold of, what's her name? Sophia Prantera and give her a bit of a shake. Because I feel like Aries have definitely lost this way. Like, it feels like a brand that had a lot of steam, had a lot of hype behind it a few years ago, really looked great, was a real kind of refreshing voice um, in terms of presenting fashion, in terms of presenting streetwear out from London in a really interesting way. But now I feel like they've really lost their way and they've kind of, I don't know what they're doing. And this Tommy Hilfiger collaboration is a really good example of things that just look bizarre for me really really bizarre and doesn't make any sort of sense and don't really marry up with what you know arises basically aries or whatever you fucking pronounce it is about nowadays or maybe this is kind of their place or their sort of like pivot or their fork in the road as a brand where they're kind of deciding and figuring out where to go because i feel like um acne maybe had the same sort of period of time in their history where they kind of had a transition from being a jeans company into being a a high fashion company that also does a bunch of streetwear because i feel like you know acne does a really good job of that where the stuff they present on the runway isn't what essentially is reflected on the web store or online store and isn't what you see people wearing day to day you see way more people wearing that willy hat with the sort of like square smiley face thing as you do people seeing on the street wearing the flipping runway shit and maybe the same goes for aries you see more people wearing that no problemo sweatshirt than any other thing they make but then they also make a whole bunch of other shit that is probably i feel like a little bit overpriced for what it is and just doesn't look the greatest so and and i feel like you know collaborating with tommy hilfiger in 2023 is definitely i feel like a sign that your brand is on the way down like this is horrendous this is like they might as well collaborate with sporty and rich i mean this is how shit is it looks fucking 
diabolical. And the other thing as well about this, if you think about it, this Tommy Hilfiger collaboration is that it might be a bit on brand or a bit on trend because of what we're going through right now with the kind of Y2K revival type of shit that's happening. But you also have to imagine a lot of that Y2K, Aaliyah core type of shit that's happening right now, it's going to age very very badly the same way it aged badly when y2k stuff was in trend when it was actually happening like, like you look at the you look at the flipping um what's your thing called um the 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 flipping will smith song big was it is it millennium or something right that one that's for the year 2000 where he's wearing a silver suit that whole entire video is essentially what people are wearing nowadays in terms of clothing wise or you look at any cisco music video um from even fong song look at that video and what people are wearing now you go to any techno club you see a bunch of gay black dudes wearing exactly what philippin cisco was wearing in that kind of fong song video but let's be real those outfits look amazing on some of these guys nowadays when they got six packs and shit and they dyeing their hair and they got funky nails and they're showing their abs and they got a little dick root showing cool but in a couple of years those pictures are going to look as dated they're going to look terrible and i feel like this sort of stuff this aries collaboration with tommy hilfiger as maybe on trend and on brands it looks nowadays this is going to look terrible in a couple of years it's going to age so badly like you're going to look at this in your wardrobe and be like, how the fuck did I spend, you know, 400 pounds on this flipping top and bottom, right? From Aries, even though Glorilla looks amazing in this Tommy Hilfiger suit, kind of again, giving, you know, a lot of Aaliyah shit. But once you wear this in a couple of years, this is going to look terrible because no one's going to be doing their hair like this. No one's going to be wearing outfits like this. It's just going to look absolutely gash. So everything about this I hate. I think it looks absolutely horror, horrendous. It looks very cheap. Um, and just direct, it just kind of, if anything, it's just confusing. Like, what are Aries actually doing? Like, what's the decision? What, what are they trying to do? Um, are they trying to reinvent themselves? Are they trying to revive the brand? Can it to other people? I don't know. I just look at it and I just see absolute garbage personally for me. And I feel like this could all be burned tomorrow and no one would be none the wiser to it. It's absolutely shocking. Really, really, really is shockingly bad. And there's nothing more I feel like desperate in general when it comes to trying to be on trend than having this type of picture i feel like this has been so overdone this whole kind of like gen z millennial type of group link up thing with all the ages multicultural thing is so so lame and it just feels so overly done personally um it just feels like it's been done by every single brand has got one of these sort of pictures where they've got every sort of racial denomination sort of listed every every day them every he her it's just boring it's just because bo- it kind of takes away from the quality of the garments it just is another way to kind of get social credit points as opposed to actually producing stuff that people actually want to wear it just looks to me terrible and garbage and a real real waste of time and it should be all lit on fire somewhere or you know thrown in the nearest sea so that some turtle can choke on it or something it looks absolutely shocking like every last bit of it the only thing that probably looks halfway decent is this t-shirt this tommy hilfiger and a rise t-shirt where it's got tommy and aries written on the bottom here right that looks pretty decent and of course what glorilla's wearing this sort of like top and bottom suit thing is gonna look great but again who's gonna be wearing this who's gonna be wearing this like really are girls actually gonna pay whatever this is going to be worth like retail price might be like 500 pounds or something maybe more for this top and down suit or they're just going to wait for sheen to copy it and then pay for it and the only people that you're going to see wearing it actually day to day will be influencers so whoever influencer got it for free they'll be flexing this but your regular girl on road would she actually pay for this i don't think so you're most likely going to grab something vintage or maybe a depop or a vintage on ebay make something work with another brand or you're just gonna wait for it to go on sale or you're gonna wait for sheen to do something with it but yeah i don't know what's going on with aries it's 
it's confusing it's quite concerning because i thought they were pretty cool at one point but now they're horrendous what they do um let's quickly read this interview because of hypebeast about the collaboration Hypey said, um, did you have a personal connection with Tommy? Yeah, this is what I always like when he's having these collaborations, right? Instead of just saying, hey, um, I did the collaboration because it's money, because basically these collabs, the, the brands usually pay you. So Tommy Hilfiger is, you know, dead, absolute cold, colder than flipping ice cubes. So they need Aries more than Aries needs Tommy Hilfiger. So Ares, Tommy Hilfiger probably paid them a little fee a little whatever it may be i don't know 10 grand 20 grand hundred thousand grand who cares but it's a flat fee that you get or maybe you'll get you know um you get some you get some flipping sales uh you know you get a portion of the sales but usually you get a flat fee so it's good for the brand so if your brand is struggling in terms of selling stuff in store and you get someone to collaborate with it could be a good way to sort of like give you more money to add to your runway so you can pay staff and survive a few more years but it does really dilute and does kind of cheapen your brand as we've seen with palace is a good example palace have got more collaborations coming out of their ass than anyone and i feel like every single one of them is kind of slowly and surely but surely chipped away at whatever corners that they had like the recent one with ug look at how terrible those uggs are there's no way anyone that really likes palace will going to be seen dead in those type of shoes so clearly it does do a negative overall but anyway continue um do you have a question with tommy Hilfiger? she's gonna let's see if she lies so the fairy bentera i met lee holman the creative director to discuss working together in some capacity and we decided to collaborate would be good for okay cool i like that sophia didn't pretend and lie and say that her mom used to wear tommy Hilfiger in the kitchen all the time making clothes and that's why she did it okay cool i like that she was honest what is tommy to you Sophia says, Tommy for me was a brand that dressed American hip hop. I was less interested in Tommy as a preppy brand. I love the way it was hacked and readapted to a new subculture and I wanted to do the same. That's the thing that is really interesting. I don't even find Aries to be hip hop. It feels very white to me. It feels very Caucasian. It feels very Notting Hill. It feels very, um, you know, lo loafers with like track pants and shit, like Gucci loafers with track pants. It feels like somebody rolling up their own cigarettes. It feels like fucking, you know, um, I don't know. It feels like Stellas, cans of Stellas. It feels like guys who wear sovereign rings, ironically, golf tooth caps and shit. Um, guys that wear white socks, they're Reeboks. Aries kind of gives me that sort of vibes. It doesn't give me, I don't think of hip hop. I don't think of black people even. The kind of black people I think of where Aries are the ones that kind of live in Labrador Grove, right? That, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the hiya, that, that, that kind of black guy. That's who I think of who wears flipping Aries. I don't think of anyone else from ends who flipping wear that shit. Like, so it's funny that they're jumping to the hip hop thing. Cause again, who's wearing in a, in an American way, who's actually wearing Aries? I feel like only like white girls that are like girl bosses like wearing the no problemo shirt. Essentially, again, it's like, it's kind of like a really fashion version of sporty and rich, which is really crazy to say because sporty and rich is fucking shit. So to call Aries a fashion sporty and rich is a real, I think bad, you know, sign that Aries is kind of going in the wrong direction. But again, maybe they're just trying to figure it out and I don't really know. But it continues here. Um, how does the collaboration expand Aries experience? Collaborating with Tommy allows us to broaden our reach. The clothes are very much a hybrid of both brands. It's Aries hacking Tommy. Working with a brand like Tommy allows us to only explore new styles, but produce more extensive collaborate creative around the collection and work with amazing music talent like Gorilla. I just want there to be an end to collaborations, man. I'm at, I'm at that point now where I just think this idea of hacking into one brand to hopefully get that customer base to come over to your customer base i've just had enough of it really i'm bored of the collaboration i think they just need to all be sacked off like just enough enough of them but hey 
they you know people make money from them so they're not gonna start anytime soon another one there's a big 90s feel to this was emulating this area conscious decision you well we didn't specifically but tommy first reached out popularity in 90s when we collaborate we looked to bring out the other brand usp and for tommy it was association with the 90s artists like Aaliyah, snoop tlc and grand puba so yeah 90s early 2000 but you know the vibe tommy was really one of the first brands to actively collaborate on a grand subculture and emerging music artists and really helped define the look of that era that's what i was interested in what has they what have they done what have they done what have they done aries to even collaborate in music i'm just confused by this i don't even think of aries as music it's so interesting to me how different maybe again maybe i'm missing something and i haven't seen it but i don't even have seen have aries even done like a boiler room have they even done a flipping a hush or something was it is that hush whatever the thing or i've never even seen them do a, a public facing party thing like that so them thinking that they're a music brand is weird to me in any way shape or form um but again maybe they're just in this confusing place they don't know where direction to kind of point in and they're just kind of figuring out along the way another question here there are also some upcycled looks talk to me through the process of creating these and why it's necessary to collaborate um for the collaboration to be sustainable oh fucking hate this shit everyone pretending they're being sustainable if you want to be sustainable you just retire your brand you know, every bit of clothing that you put out there is contributing to this hellscape that we're currently living in. No amount of sustainability is ever going to change that whatsoever. It's just such a um, virtue signaling thing to do, but everyone does it. Anyway, um, there were two main reasons for upcycling. The first was Tommy's iconic look for Aaliyah, which was created by a stylist by readapting men's underwear and jeans. At the time, Tommy didn't make women's wear and her stylist used the famous brand elastic underwear to make a bra and accessories for the shoot. So readapting and upcycling seemed like a very valid style starting point secondly possibly more importantly tommy had just launched a desktop website and this made available for us to upcycle on the larger scale you know, we had done collaboration with desktop basically means stuff that didn't sell it's not like a luxury thing it's things that no one bought now they're trying to dead stock it so people can cut it up and make horrible crop tops of it we had just done a collaboration with a magazine more or less who specializes in recycled fashion and we had a blueprint for how to readapt jeans and sweatshirts and wanted to apply this to a larger scale to our brands like tommy the question is based on the idea that aries um, hacking tommy rather than blending with two brands and tearing tommy pieces apart so you don't want to tear it apart but you want to blend but you don't want to blend Rather than blending two bands and tearing co- what? That confusing line. The question is based on the idea of hacking Tommy rather than blending the two brands and tearing actual time pieces apart. That's what you basically did. Anyway, printing cover printing over them and remaking them into something more elaborate seemed like the most natural process. How this process how this collaboration How's it feel to have collaboration around the world? Exciting. Um, we'd working on it for a long time and it's finally out. We're happy about it. So it's at Valley at the website. Let's see how much it costs. I'm guessing it's going to be a million bucks. There's no way this is not going to be fucking, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds to purchase, which is going to be hilarious. But let's just see how much they are, you know, putting on the price of this flipping su- supposed sustainable flipping collection. Let's see here. Okay. Yep. Select. We want pounds. Let's see how much this cost. Let's see, Tommy Hilfiger and Flipping Aries here. There's Glorilla there looking wonderful. Big up her. And let's see how much this stuff costs. It's loading now on the screen. Oof. The Tommy and Aries logo elastic dress, £230. God damn. Elasticated top, 110 Elasticated skirt, 130 
the 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 thing maybe one third again maybe it's not too bad but again i don't think the the, the person that they're marketing to this too is going to be wasting their money purchasing when they can just buy it you know vintage kind of quote-unquote already online or they can just maybe hack and make it themselves i don't really see them doing that personally but maybe i might be wrong um more tommy bandana boxer shorts for 75 pounds boxer shorts for 75 mamma mia the jeans here are 130 the matching shirt is 110 not more with the tape um stickers over them which is horrid might be one of the worst things i've ever seen actually this fucking now a tape a Sometimes look at shit like that, I feel myself, you know what, I may have to start my own brand, innit? Because if people are making bucks out of shit like this, opening stores and becoming millionaires, then fuck me, mate. This is horrible. Another one. This is probably the nicest thing I've seen actually in this. I, I think this is probably the nicest piece. This is a Tommy um, Hilfiger and Aries logo destroyed denim jacket. This might be the nicest thing actually in the entire collection. I really like how this looks actually. It's a bit oversized, a bit relaxed fit. Um, it looks like it go with a lot of things and, and these dungarees I don't wear dungarees but I think these dungarees look pretty cool but the rest of it is fucking horrendous really bad like, look at this shit um, Aries um, semaphore walking pant semaphore shirt 130 the t-shirt I said it was nice it's 65 pounds the bucket hat is 69 god almighty mate look how much shit is in this um this jumper is pretty decent, maybe. So is that long sleeve logo top, right? Long sleeve shirt, neon green. How much is that? Seventy. Fucking hell. It's a lot of it's a lot of wonga for this terrible shit. The slides. How much are the slides? Eighty five. Look at those shoes. <laughs> what are those? What are those? They look fucking horrible. Oh my god! What the fuck are these? Tommy Aries big trainer 170 more like one never one never mate what the fuck is that it's like their version of like a skate shoe but it looks so horrendous it doesn't it beggars belief like it's like a big skate shoe type of shoe maybe it's got padded tongues thick tongue thick laces it's got like a canvasy type of upper on it Oh my god, that A logo on the side is horrible. So is the logo here on the tongue. Like, nah. All of it. All of it can get burned tomorrow. Or right now, actually. These boat shoe things are just... I don't know. No thank you. No thank you. Wow. All of it is shocking. Um, the bag's quite nice, actually. Uh, yeah, see? That, and that's the sold-out thing. That bag is actually maybe one of the best pieces in here, and it's sold out. So that's a clear sign that maybe they didn't make a lot of these, or that this is the most, this is the one that everyone likes. This bag is definitely the best thing. The Tommy and Aries logo webbing shopper. This is actually really cool. I, I actually don't mind this. This bag looks really nice, and it's sold out. But the rest of it can just get burned. It's all garbage, personally for me. I don't like it at all. Um, it's very, I don't know. It kind of, it's giving non-binary and I don't, it's not like an insult, but it's just, there's a lot of like non-binary clothes here. And I just, I don't know if I, if I like non-binary clothes. I have to be honest. I like my shit to look swaggy regardless if it's male or female, but I just don't like non-binary clothes. It's, it's giving very much non-binary. Yeah. It's just not for me. Me not like it at all in the slightest, but if you, if you do, then you know where to purchase it. You know where it's at. Um, contact your local Aries stockist and kind of you know 
Go and do the bits if you need to do the bits. Go and do the bits if you need to do the bits. Go and do the bits if you need to do the bits. Then, of course, we need to move on to this quickly as my computer gives me the wheel of death. Bear with me one second as it loads. Yeah, here we go. So, once we can feature this, this is regarding Matthew Williams and his collection. Let's get if I can get up on here. I already, what, why are you doing this to me? Please don't do this to me. Okay, there you go. So, yeah. So, this is courtesy of Vogue World regarding Matthew Williams' new um, Four Ready to Wear Alex collection, which came out a while ago. I just wanted to quickly feature it because I feel like, again, it's going from strength to strength. So, this is Alex 4 2023. And this, again, may be another real highlight and a real good sign as to kind of where direction he's kind of going in. Number one, because of the boots. I think there's a couple of boots in this collection that I think look really, really impressive that I'm going to highlight as soon as I stop getting this wheel of death. <laughs> Hopefully this can happen very soon. God damn it. I've got too many tabs open probably in it. That's probably just the classic classic i can see the sign here that things are not going well too many tabs open it's just having it but yeah anyway so on the actual pictures of the actual items themselves from the full radio collection there's a really nice thing i had to highlight are these boots these cowboy boots that he's done and again another highlight because i feel like overall matthew williams with alix and even with maybe Givenchy, but more so with alix i feel like he doesn't get the credit he deserves for his ability to put together a good shoe maybe it's the footwear the team that he has maybe it's just his eye to detail because he looks like a guy that knows how to design a good jacket and a good pair of shoes there's one thing that you could always count on the outerwear and the footwear in alix and Givenchy is always going to be top notch and i feel like this little flip on a cowboy boot is incredible so essentially what he's done which i really like where he's kind of made it into like a cuban wedge heel type of thing so it's not you can't actually seal the heel itself it kind of is kind of all flat and kind of flush into the actual cowboy boot and then there's this nice little detail here towards the front of the tip where you've got the lever sort of peeling and revealing the metal toe tip at the front of the shoe it's a really slight and subtle detail and most people probably wouldn't care but i really like it i think it looks really really cool and you know the entire collection i think is really done well i think he's done a really good job over the last few years i feel like with alex matthew williams of essentially luxing it up without going away from the casual no we say casual probably not the right word but the relaxed sort of like comfortable almost streetwear adjacent feel of alix but he's kind of luxed it up without kind of going too crazy and it's kind of slowly but surely kind of refined it so it kind of looks a little bit more grown up um it maybe looks a little bit more fitting to be on a runway because something that i've said before when it comes to hair and pressing as much of a big fan of hair and pressing as i am i don't necessarily think you know the collection of clothes that he puts out on the runway maybe needs a runway collection right if it's just going to be t-shirts and flipping jumpers and hoodies and shit maybe having it presented in other ways is the best way to do it but i feel like matthew Williams has done the best i think like evolution of his brand so that now it doesn't look that crazy if he does have um alix out on a runway because i feel like it's a well more it's a far more rounded overall um of a collection from the front to the back you feel like you got everything here from dresses to bags to good shoes to good coats um to really go stuff like this and like it's really interesting material application that kind of looks like um seaweed or something that's kind of draping on top of this like really interesting pieces here and there i think i've done really well but those boots 
with a little, you know, lifted up section at the front that kind of revealed the metal toe tip. I feel like a real genius and clever little move in terms of taking a classic Chelsea or sorry, a classic cowboy boot that everyone kind of knows and kind of reinterpreting it in a really clever way. Hopefully his pictures will load. Where's it happening here? Is it kind of froze on me? Of course it has. No, it hasn't. Let's see. Hopefully it loads again. Come on, bro. Yeah, so we've got more pictures here. Let's see number seven, actually. I think that might be the one where it's got this, look, the shoe on the side so we can see kind of what it looks like. I can kind of zoom in on here, but I really did like, okay, it's not that one. Let's continue again here. It's not this. It's not eight. Maybe it's nine. That kind of shows a little bit more detail of the of the cowboy boot from the side so you can see the little bit of the lever lifted up and you can see the little metal toe box underneath. But yeah, there you go. You got it there, actually. Let me kind of highlight on here. But I feel like these boots are really well done. And it's unfortunate. Even this whole look is actually amazing, to be fair. It's unfortunate that this is women's. It would be really cool if you could get these in men's. But I think these look really, really cool. That little leather bit there with the toe exposed. And you can see the metal underneath looks really awesome. And again, like I said, the flushness of that heel at the back looks really cool. Because you imagine they'd be really comfortable to wear. Especially if you're a girl and you don't really wear heels too tough. That would be a really comfortable way to kind of wear a heel. And really make them look chic without looking too crazy. But yeah, I wish these would come out in men's. But they're probably only going to be available in like a size 43 max in terms of sizes. And I'm like a 44, 45. So there's no way I'll be able to fit in them. But I think these look really cool. They're definitely highlight in the entire collection which is really well done again um from matthew williams so big up him for basically reminding everybody that he is that guy in general um i never i never lost faith in the guy and a lot of people in fashion industry were kind of you know going out of their way to criticize him and hound him i remember that embarrassing video of him actually where somebody at the show basically asked him, oh, wow, the logos and shit, which is really, I think, insulting when you think of every brand on the, on this, on, you know, on the fashion week calendar with the, some few exceptions has dabbled into logos essentially because the customers basically want it. And then for them to kind of grill him and to a point at him was really insulting. But obviously it comes from a point of view because he comes from like a non-traditional background, no formal experience, mostly a streetwear type of guy. They don't really respect that. And because of course he represents, you know, and um, people who might be not the kind of typical fashion customers, you know, anything that kind of represents and um, postures, I feel like all platforms, black and brown people, um, the fact the scene basically has an issue with anywhere overall. And they usually love this kind of dog whistle thing that they do every time streetwear becomes a dominant sort of like theme in terms of collections at fresh fashion weeks where they basically say, Hey, we're going to have a return to flipping tailoring, which I've always felt like as a dog whistle to basically say, we want to get rid of the black and browns. So I think his voice is necessary overall out there presenting these type of collections out there and making it what it is so yeah big up um matthew williams love this love those boots um wish they did come in men's sizes because i think these are absolute winners barnstorming winners and i'd wear them every single day if i had them really really would so yeah big up matthew williams on those big up matthew williams on that one um moving on let's just talk about a few more things before i have to switch up streams and stuff and move on to the flipping random show thing but big up everybody in the chat hanging in there if you again if you're watching the show live please make sure you smash that like button for me that'd be greatly appreciated people can find out my show and stuff and see what i'm doing so if you haven't already it doesn't take you too long only a couple of seconds smash that like button for me give me a bit of loving that'll be greatly 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 appreciated um let's move on from this and let's show this number one 
this is done really well. This is courtesy of Modern Notoriety, which features a jound and Yoshida, Hiroshida, Yoshida Porter Company um, bags. And if you know anything about cut bags, especially these type of strap bags and whatnot, you know that Porter's one of the best out there. Um, they make loads of really nice, amazing ones. Um, their backpacks, I think, are really underrated, although their strap messenger type bags are really your favorites. And a lot of your favorite brands out there basically take inspiration from these and flip them in their own way and you know Jounda basically decided to make her own version of their own and um I'm not too sure of the color I think maybe because I'm a messy type of dude and I generally tend to kind of have mucky hands and tend to kind of just you know live on the on the wild side of things I think this kind of canvasy white beige cream type of affair maybe isn't the greatest idea in terms of a color for a bag you're meant to be wearing every day maybe it's a bag you have in your sort of like you know rotation or whatnot but I feel like this strap will probably this color very very quickly maybe with minimal wear depending on well what jackets you wear because some clothes and some jackets you wear they might bleed or they you know the, the rubbing of the fabric may lead to some coloring transfer so this might be a bit of a hard one to do day in day out this sort of like canvasy beige type material but i do like the selection of the bags they have here the detail of course and the label is really nice you got the porter label here with a little port with a little jound um logo there on the side as well um you got a nice little wallet here velcro wallet which i'm a big fan of i love a good velcro wallet personally i know for some people it's like a sign of kind of you know naivete and basically you being a little bit of a you know a child stuck in the flipping man's body but i'm a big fan of level of velcro wallets you got this nice little pouch bag also it looks really nice with some gold detailing as well that's pretty cool the detailing is also awesome with jound right you got this beige canvas type material on these bags you got this really nice gold accents and hits here with the fixtures um everything's sort of tonal no craziness nice logos nice color balance and stuff the materials probably going to be really durable and cool but i just feel like day to day this might pick up too much dirt and become a bit unmanageable but i do like it you know in terms of its presentation look wise and again the gold zip here is a really nice little detail as well to kind of add to it and then you've got the addition of the re-re zips here as well which you know if you know anything about zips and hardware you know these are definitely some of the best out there available so these are definitely going to be lasting you a long time but yeah big up jound big up um porter for points together they'll be out very very soon and most likely they'll sell out in minutes because porter's usually cheap pretty well so it's priced pretty well more so on the cheap side and very very affordable and a bit bit in a collaboration that's a bit different than the usual porter stuff you get out there people i think are gonna jump on these asap so big up them for putting that together big up them for putting that together next on this which we thought yeah next on this is feature this actually i think this is a pretty good one that i want to feature in here bear with me a sec there we go so this is courtesy of hypebeast and it features shane gonzalez um collaboration with vans vault if you know shane gonzalez is he is the founder of the brand called midnight studios and he has a very specific um kind of aesthetic that kind of reminds me of you know old school undercover um maybe a little bit of you know um hedy slamane at saint laurent and just that kind of whole 
grungy aesthetic sort of vibe that he kind of rocks with and i think interesting in the first place because these aren't a midnight studios and vans collaboration there are shane gonzalez and vans collaboration which is interesting i wonder why he decided to do that maybe he didn't want to cheapen the brand by doing it vans maybe he wants to produce his own sort of footwear maybe he's kind of pushing to be his own sort of like creative voice that stands alone from midnight studios i'm not really sure but the fact that it's not a midnight studios and vans thing is very interesting but i feel like there's a real big chasm of hit and misses on the shoes I feel like there are some pairs here that are really well done and there are some pairs here that are hideous. So the two, the one that is definitely hideous that stands out to kind of mention is the skate high. The skate high has got this belt that goes across on them with zips on along the side of the flipping laces. You have to decide one closure. Either you have laces or you have zips, but you can't have three. You can't have belt, laces and a zip. That's absolutely chaotic, absolutely disgusting. And if anything, it reminds me of the kind of it reminds you of like a grunge version of a balenciaga no yeah a grunge version of a balenciaga arena do you remember that shoe it was a shoe that was very popular in the early 2000s a balenciaga arena sneaker uh, i think kanye used to wear them a lot as well back in the day and they basically had the same sort of layout with like the laces and the zips on the side here they can kind of unzip your shoe easily if you wanted to so those look hideous the the kind of skate um what they what they called so you got the van skate high and then you got the um old schools or skate high i forgot what that model is particularly this one here at the top but this black one pretty decent i'm not too mad at this i like what he's done with the van's logo strap on the side here this kind of embroidered kind of tattoo type design looks really really cool um i'm not too fond of this kind of embroidery thing on the toe box at the front i think this looks a little bit weird i'm not really too fond on this i think maybe so should have stuck with this on the front of the side but i'm not mad at it the thing that i like about it most is the leather quality clearly looks really nice um very very high quality subtle supple sorry soft soft leather these kind of hooks and loops on the inside of the shoe look really weird i don't know what these are there for because for the most part this type of low profile shoe you don't really need a system to kind of rip your foot into it but maybe it's just another something else the male eyelets on the you know the ring eyelets here i'm not really too fond of either but and this and of course the slip on is probably the standout i think in terms of an interesting way of kind of flipping a slip on by having this kind of weird zip pocket thing on the top of the shoe um which kind of makes it like a slip on also makes it like a like an edit of a authentic or something it's kind of like maybe he's concealing some laces underneath it so you've got this two effects you've got in a way to kind of have this clever sort of like you know um clean design where you don't see any of the um lacing systems underneath and you've got an option where you can kind of look, take off the zip and kind of have it exposed and obviously you got the little clip here it looks like something you'd have on your chino so decent enough but there's a too many hits and misses there but that skate high with the belt is looking horrendous um one thing i have to give him credit for which i'm liking as a trend is seeing pictures of shoes in lookbooks where a person has clearly worn them. I think that kind of gives a shoe a bit of life and a bit of texture, a bit of warmth. Um, it just kind of makes it look like it's been lived in and kind of give you an idea of what they'll look like when you live in yourself. Um, instead of those really sterile product shots of the shoe, fresh out the box without anybody's foot in it, it kind of looks a certain way. Then you put your foot in it, and it kind of changes the way it looks a little bit in context. So I think you know these work really well not the ones where someone's like sitting in a jumping up with their toes in a pool of water, not those corny 
sneakerhead ones just a picture of somebody actually wearing them i think supreme have been doing quite a bit now with their band's collaborations where they'll feature pictures of clearly guys in the skate team or people associated with the brand who've worn them a few times as shoes before they've been released and then take pictures of them and just put those out as like you know hey this is what i've done and it gives you a good idea of what the shoes look like on foot and after a few wear so i do like this and you see that of course of this fans here um you see again featured on this one also the slip on with somebody sketching and drawing all over them which i think again is a bit of a nod to virgil bringing that back into popularity to rip him and of course no one worn the skate highs they definitely look brand new no one's gonna be wearing these even for free these look absolutely horrendous like ridiculous that might be one of the worst pair of bands i've seen in my entire life that's definitely one of those type of shoes but yeah those are pretty nice whatever these are and the slip-ons are probably the best ones but those skate highs are shockingly shockingly bad um really one of the worst things i've ever ever seen but again this goes to show that shingles is definitely growing and getting up there in terms of creativity because these brands you know they don't reach out to nobody so this courtesy of um hypebeast it says adding to his lengthy um lineup of collaboration Shane Collins has now shared his first collaboration with Vans um titled the Star Spangled Glamour the collection is comprised of three Vault by Vans silhouettes that's probably why the collection the quote is really good by the way because Vault by Vans is usually the um the kind of premium end version of their collaborations that they do um and the quality of the shoes that's probably why the leather looks so great from afar as is a suede so there's three silhouettes are the old school which I definitely do like the look of VLT LX and the authentic zip okay so it's not a slip it's an authentic that's interesting i love it's a very clever idea they've taken an authentic and added a kind of flap over the top with a zip that makes it looks like a slip-on that's a pretty clever little twist i like that um and in the skate high reissue strap which is horrible um gonzalez applied these rock and roll fuse um spin on the shoes focusing on all american motif drawn from the signature aesthetic sensibilities of cowboy boots denim jeans and leather jackets um leading the shane gonzalez and vault by van star spangled collection is the old school vlt lx dressed in premium black leather and marked with a bold western embroidery commonly found on the cowboy boots um and, oh okay that's what they've done with that shoe okay so that's a cowboy boot thing huh yeah i don't like that this this actually oddly enough this design of the on the old school probably would have fit better on the skate high and then you could probably have this design on the old on the old school and it might have really fit better. Like if you swap the the kind of you know the design of the skate high to the old school and the old school to the skate high, I think it would have fit a lot more better. But hey, we are where we are. And um, while the authentic zip is designed to replicate the looks of jeans, classic jeans. Um, with a familiar indigo thing finally the skate high reissue also constructed with a black and outfit with a rider jacket okay so it's meant to be like a leather jacket type style so you got so you so what have you got here you've got jeans you've got cowboy boots and you've got leather jacket okay so it's basically like a full outfit interesting interesting um it continues price between 130 and 185 the shingles on his vault by vans collection will be released on april 7th so yeah check them out if you're that way inclined um for me the only big wins are the authentic and the so the old school and the authentic that skate hiking just gets thrown in the bin straight away it looks absolutely horrendous in my opinion but hey maybe i'm just hating maybe i'm just hating moving on from that one let's talk about this quickly 
I thought this looked pretty cool actually. Let me just picture this and put it show it on the screen. So this is courtesy of Hypebeast and it features the Carhartt Whip and Awake um re-link up actually, which I actually like the look of. Um more so the casting or the lookbook I think is really solid. I think it kind of gives you a flavour of what Awake is about as a brand and who they're representing and who's kind of you know, inspires um Angela and what he basically does, and that definitely looks great. But Again, these car collaborations have been coming out. It feels like every other week and I maybe have got some fatigue in it because I feel like with Kaha, with it being a kind of, um, what's it called? With it being workwear and type of inspired clothing, it usually lasts forever. And even if it's Kaha Whip, which is basically car work in progress, which is kind of their streetwear, um, lifestyle type, you know, version of what they make. Um, that's a bit more of a fashion leaning to it. I still don't feel like if you've got a pair of double, double knee pants, right canvas pants or whatnot or a pair of even the dickies or whatever she knows i don't think you're going to be buying seven pairs of the same pair you're going to just wear one until they blow out and then buy another one same with the carhartt chore jacket um, how many chore jackets can one person own how many overshirts from carhartt can one person own how many pants so i feel like these collaborations are a bit of a waste of time because if you actually wear carhartt day to day you'll know that those clothes are bulletproof and it's hard to justify having a normal kind of like you know a non-carhartt whip you know jumper or cardigan or whatnot and then going out and also buying the awake version the collaboration it just feels like a little bit overkill even the pocket tees how many of these you know basic pocket tees your carhartt make when you know season in season out maybe they don't have any particular type of kelly green color that you know um thing you put together but i still think it's a bit of a hard one to justify in my opinion actually the thing i do like most about it is this guy's earrings those look fucking cool I'd love to do that one day, my is, but I wouldn't like to have them sagging because I think once you get this sort of like plug done, you have to if you want to seal it up, you have to go, you know, under the knife and basically get stitched. I'm assuming that's the only thing I wouldn't like, but I do like the earrings. The earrings look fucking incredible. So big up that, but yeah, over cut nice over shirts, and this is like it's made out of some sort of corduroy material in this nice sort of like aqua Tiffany type of style. And they've got some sketching on the thing, the logo on the back of the jumper is a little bit corny and, you know, maybe it's a bit restrictive in terms of age because I feel like only 18 year olds are going to be wearing stuff like this. Um, the hoodie is pretty nice actually. I'm not too mad at that hoodie, especially in that green color on black skin looks really nice. Again, that jumper with the logo on the back is a bit too much for me. Looks a little bit too crazy. You got the legend Rakim here and this outfit looks pretty cool. But again, you can get this entire outfit without the awake branding carhartt stuff for pretty cheap online surplus stores or secondhand from ebay so just thinks it makes it hard to justify buying this type of stuff but especially the double knee pants with this sort of like screen printed embroidery logo rose thing it's a bit it's a bit naff to me because a little bit yeah i don't know i just i just don't like the way it looks it's like it's been you know printed on there with a flipping heat press or something you got a nice varsity jacket here with Rakim wearing it. I do like the look of the varsity jacket. But again, can you justify buying a black varsity jacket like this from Carhartt and Awake when you could just get something basic yourself out there? I don't really know if this is really that much of an appeal to any of this is out there. And then on the back, it's got world champs back to back. Um, Awake, Una, more Carhartt. Okay, I guess. 
again the casting is really nice on the lookbook the models will look great and make the clothes look really fantastic right all of it looks really awesome this girl is absolutely freaking this outfit and make it look flipping incredible but also the outfit is probably worth like 500 pounds and you can get something way cheaper from Kaha online um that's basically it's not you know Kaha whip stuff this hoodie is quite nice actually i like the color of the hoodie the graphic on the back with the awake ny and the car heart with this flower in the middle i'm sure the flower has some significance to the brand storytelling aspect of it overall um but yeah i don't know i'm just sort of sold on it it looks a little bit lazy lazy is not though is it lazy is the word it just doesn't look that exciting the that color this green this tone of green that they picked is beautiful these double knee pants with that cut with that rose type of thing is horrendous um, I'm not sure if this is like a nod to denim tears and shit. This cardigan is pretty nice, actually. I wouldn't mind the cardigan, but you know, I'm not really a cardigan type of dude. But yeah, this color green is probably the main thing that kind of pops out to me overall. That Kelly green color is absolutely gorgeous, but the rest of it isn't the greatest for me. But the Carson's definitely really, really stands out, makes it look incredible. Um, this collection is going to be due to come out when. Oh, right. It's been It's been photographed. It's been photographed by um, Mario Sorrenti. Shit. And styled by creative director Alexander. K what? Really? Creative director of Awake is Alistair McKim. That's crazy. That sounds a bit random. What a lineup. Okay, cool. Well, still, still doesn't really sell it too much for me, to be honest. Um, not the greatest. Coming on April 6th. If you want to check it out, then do Carhartt Awake Spring 2023 capsule collection. I'm assuming if this goes well, they'll probably have more in the chamber lined up. But for me so far, pff, bit naff. Not really the not really on it for me personally. Um, I'd rather buy something else. But hey, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's move on from that one and let's talk about this. So, um, four 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 label group, four 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 label group, which is Kobolsi's sort of brand that he put out there have debuted their full 2023 collection which came out a while back but i didn't feature it on the pods i thought i'd talk about it now and it got me thinking overall about the necessity and the kind of space that this sort of like rave wear type of shit is occupying and whether or not it's necessary at all because you know as being a bit of a an, an addict for going out and shit and being obsessed with clubs and um, specifically places like Burkhan and whatnot you know I've been there enough to kind of see the kind of trends of what people wear and whatnot and from what I've seen for the most part a lot of these club kids that go out there is a contingency of them that do like to wear designer clothes and I feel like that's always a bit of a cool little flex of being able to wear really expensive designer clothes in a nightclub and sweating them out and not really caring and kind of wearing them because they look cool but not also caring about them too much of an impression about them we can't you know wear them in a sweaty nightclub and get them you know covered in gunk and whatnot i think that's a bit of a cool flex but there's also a, a part of people who go out and they want to spend as little money as possible on their outfit and most of it on drugs and alcohol and shit which makes sense but they also take inspiration from designer looks so they'll go to a vintage shop and maybe have a designer look in in in, in their head and then try and replicate it with bring some vintage stuff secondhand stuff and whatnot and whatever it may be so i feel like there's a those are the main two camps that occupy it. And then again, you have the people who just don't give a crap and just go in for the vibes. But I don't necessarily feel like there is a real big community of people who a number one buy merch, like who buy like, you know, merch from like labels, which is weird. Cause I feel there's a lot of cool brands that do cool stuff like public possession 
like um toy tonics of course and a few others who have some pretty cool like record label or even dj merch i'm now Emily lens who's fucking shit but she's got some pretty decent you know m- you know merch out there i don't feel like a lot of fans even wear the merch too of too tough kind of music is a good example so if fans don't wear merch I don't see where club wear kind of fits in. I know there's that one big brand called Nact from Berlin that does like club kids wear. Um, and a lot of the stuff is just, you know, what you'd expect it, a Berlin sort of like club kid wear brand to be. It's loads of leather, loads of PVC, loads of harness straps, loads of dresses, loads of stuff with holes on them and shit, right? It's all kind of the same old shit you've been wearing when they go to a club. So you think to yourself, why would you want to buy overpriced harnesses when you could just buy a regular harness from Amazon and then just jazz it up yourself at home, right? Even with a, even with a, you know, colored pen, maybe would be dazzling it or whatnot, cutting it up, whatever. You can do whatever you want to be at home than buying one for like 300 pounds from a brand like Nect. So then it brings me on to this topic, which features Kobosi's label, 444 Label Group, where he's basically doing actual collections. I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, this is made either with the same production that does Off-White. So it's either New Gods Group or it's done with somebody else, but it's done basically properly. It's produced season to season, like it presents it everywhere. I think it's presented during Milan Fashion Week. I'm not really too sure. Maybe it's Paris, Milan, but it doesn't matter. But it's a consistent collection enough out there where they're putting together looks. And if you see this Hypebeast article, there is 53 looks in this. So there's a lot of clothes that they're pushing out there. And I just don't know, number one, who they're making this shit for, um, who's buying it, and why this exists. Is it necessary? Or even if it's necessary as well out there as club webbing is because I, I just don't think having been to many clubs over the years that there is enough that there's fans that, that care that much that they want to wear club specific outfits like the most that i've done especially being a dj is that i found brands um that do really good like um dj type gear and a good one is actually this quickly collaboration i'll quickly show you from this never that where they did this collaboration with public release and they put together a kind of dj specific actual collection that included a dj bag that included t-shirts and hoodies and whatnot and this sort of stuff i think works really well right the ability to kind of put a little small capsule collection together um with a kind of recognized really cool label um and also with a really cool brand out from south korea i think this never that is and um, they've got here the hoodie they've got a t-shirt they've got a nice little woolly hat they've got a nice belt and then they've got this really cool dj bag where you can basically put your headphones and your usbs and all the other bits and bobs right this sort of stuff really works well but i don't know if people actually care about wearing like club wear like this where it's like a bomber jacket with a print on it you know like all this and again all this stuff i think would be really overpriced for what it is because you can get these looks yourself or make yourself a fairly cheap you got a look here with a skirt you got another little fishtail parker here in black with a hoodie where you can get anywhere so I'm just wondering who they're making this for and who's actually buying this day in, day out for me personally. I'm really interested in because, you know, I've been to enough clubs to know that this stuff isn't like this. Uh, this looks a little bit like Hood Rich, right? It's like a Berlin version of Hood Rich. 444 Labour Group taping on the side here with this red hoodie, <coughs> which is funny because 
if you wore this, like if a black guy wore this outfit and went to queue outside Burger and try and get in, you wouldn't get in. <laughs> That's a funny thing. So it's like rave wear, but it's like rave wear where only certain people can wear it because you won't get into certain clubs wearing this sort of shit. You have to maybe gay it up a little bit, right? If you wore it in a very straight way with some Nike Air Maxes, right? Like imagine you wore this red look, you're definitely going to get rejected. There's no way that you're getting into any Berlin club as a black dude wearing a tracksuit right <laughs> like this it's not happening you have to kind of you know day them it up a bit and then maybe you might have a chance of kind of coming in but yeah you've got this look here with the skirt got a lot of kilt looks here again you can get kilt anywhere you can get a black hoodie anywhere and this can make this look work really well so would you actually need to buy this overpriced stuff the collaboration shoes are pretty nice i don't know who the brand is they did the collaboration with and maybe it's a6 maybe it's a6 not really too sure but they look pretty decent the hat looks pretty decent as well but you'd imagine a lot of the prices for this is going to be very, very expensive and very high. So I'm just curious to know who's actually buying this stuff out there. Who's actually deciding that they want to wear cabalsy type of outfits to the club. You know, this, like this Jack, this, oh, this is horrid. This is like, what is it? This is like a, a sleeveless sweater with a, what's it? With like a polyester type hood and it's stitched on their rave new world. Oof, this is horrendous. One of the worst things I've seen in my entire life. A sleeveless vest shirt that kind of reminds me of going to church, number one. Oh, I've got to wait. There we go. Got the old wool of death here. Sleeveless vest shirt and this. It just looks horrendous. So do the glasses. Let's continue. Hopefully my fingers haven't crashed. Um, this all black look again, nondescript. You can get all this stuff. Any other brand, I'm assuming. It just feels a little bit empty to kind of get this from them. Um, Again, considering what the prices will be, it's not really for me in the slightest. You got this one, which features the, I think that's a brand that makes the carrier bags and whatnot, right? Um, UDG collaboration. Again, wearing the, the brand that makes carrier bags for DJs to carry vinyl and shit, and then wearing the hoodie and shirt of it, it just feels so naff. Like, if, if ever there was an outfit that, sh you know, people say, oh, you got passion for fashion. This is definitely passion for techno, isn't it? Like, this is just so corny. I wouldn't be seen dead wearing some shit like this. This is like wearing a fold outfit head to toe. Like if fold put out merch and it had like a fold hat and a fold bag and a fold jack truck. It's like this, this is just too much dick sucking. It's just too much. You have to at least have some, some level of pride and pick out your own clothes. You know I mean, you can't have your, you can't be having your clubs and your flipping record labels, and your DJ, like kind of picking your clothes out for you. That's just going a little bit too far for me personally. You would assume a lot of this stuff is rave new world, rave new world. Oh, you're, you're, the t-shirts look pretty nice. I'm not mad at the t-shirt. The styling on the, on the looks really, really looks really cool. But again, some of this stuff is just like a bit, a bit shocking to be fair. Um, this sort of poncho thing is actually pretty decent. I'm not too f mad at this. The logo is obviously crazy good. Um, and everyone's kind of copied this kind of, you know, um, branded big logo on the back thing. Maybe it's a flip on Palace. I don't know, but I like this cup, you know, um, four, four thing he's got on the back here. I think it's very distinctive and looks pretty cool. I think Teletech, that label and party promoter out from Manchester, they do a good job of having the same sort of thing. Nice little back logo thing that works pretty real. But again, you don't see many people day to day wearing Teletech merch, even though they do good shit. So if they did a whole collection of clothing, who's really going to be wearing that day to day? I don't really know personally, but it just looks a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, it just looks interesting, isn't it? Varsity jackets here. You got some more bomber jackets here also. Uh, another hat and bomber jacket. 
but it's just funny. I just, I'm just thinking of all this stuff worn in a black context, and I just can picture you getting node nine 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 everywhere. Oh, you got um, Sven from Berghain in the, in the lookbook also featured there. Like you know, you, you just look at this in a black context and think, yeah, who would you get in with this sort of outfit? Maybe, maybe you wouldn't. But yeah, I don't, I'm not too sure. But I guess what kind of sells all this stuff is definitely the sort of like um, lifestyle associated with it. And there's this really interesting video actually featured on YouTube that Kabosi put together called Rave New World that kind of gives them maybe an inkling into what kind of feeds into their clothing. But I feel like for whatever reason, when it comes to DJing, when it comes to dance music, there's a real big separation, it feels like, between um, what people are kind of like, what kind of inspires them to go out and maybe other parts of their life. Like, I don't really think people really care to eat in a dj kind of programmed restaurant right if a dj kind of put restaurant together and picked out the flipping rest you know what people would eat on the menu i don't think it'd be that successful so i feel like there's a bit of a separation in that regard people probably just care about what they do behind the decks but do they care enough to go to their restaurant to go to their bar i'm not really too sure personally but let me just quickly play this video that features Kobosi and his um, Rave New World um, collective. And this kind of gives you an idea on what kind of they're doing and what kind of goes into their brand and blah, 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 blah. Let's play this quickly. We just, oh, it's kind of loading. There we go. Let's get this off. Of, let's pause this now and bring it back so you can see what this sounds like. But this might be a bit ear splitting. So load the volume now if you listen to this video audio because this may be some really hard hitting um techno music that you probably won't be that familiar with if you haven't listened to stuff before so let me go back to the beginning That's him saying, What's up, vlog Rave New World? You wanted it, you become you wanted it, so you got it. Let's go. By the way, I find this really, um, to give him Kobosi a bit of credit, I find this kind of like macho, bro-y type of techno really interesting because it feels like everybody else in that space tries to like fem up what they're doing, right? In a weird way, maybe to kind of appeal to more people or just maybe it's the kind of what they're on about, but they don't really aggressively try to be very masculine and very kind of strong and very braggadocious and very kind of, up front in your face bro like you can imagine a 444 label group you know night to be very like that right a lot of guys in like hats low to their face being serious taking music very seriously stomping around the place barging everybody off their face on ghb but it's not very feminine it's not very soft it's not very um 
you know, whatever it may be, but it still attracts that group of people. I still feel like the LGBTQ lot and queer lot still go to this type of events, even though it's a very kind of cis gendered macho facing type of a brand in that space kind of interesting how he's done it and been able to kind of thrive especially in a space where everybody's trying to accommodate everybody it feels like it's very much a singular my type of like bro type of voice with my little side bag and my little flick knife in there smoking weed you know that sort of shit i don't know Let's go. Jetzt gehen wir in den Showroom. Hier sind alle Klamotten von der neuen Kollektion. Hier wird dann auch alles äh, verkauft. Also an die Großkunden. Hier sind noch ein paar VIPs, die wir dann einkleiden. Okay, cool. Uh, let's go back there. What, what, what you said here? Sorry, because he's speaking in German. So let me translate. What you say? It's Paris. Max, we enter the showroom. All our new clothes are here. From here, we're selling at big stores and other buyers during Paris Fashion Week. Also, some VIPs come through to get dressed by us. Let's show you around. That's something I really don't understand. I, I, I feel like a lot of these brands do this, which is really kind of annoying. Obviously, because the maybe the heart of like menswear sort of like showrooms and buying season happens mostly in Paris Fashion Week and because it's basically like the pinnacle, the Olympics of Fashion Weeks, right? Like all the best brands show there. Everybody kind of jumps on to kind of showcase their brand during Paris Fashion Week. But I feel like a lot of these brands, you know, 444 Labour Group being a good example, Hair and Preston before being a good example, it probably adds to the story of the brand and to appeal of it if you actually do it where it's from. Kobolsi is very, very much attached to and associated with Berlin in that scene. It would make more sense, especially considering how low Berlin Fashion Week is kind of regarded in the global scale. It would actually be a bit of a win and a bit of a coup if they were able to get somebody as high profile and as well known as he is to actually show his collections during Berlin Fashion Week and have that be the main place where you can kind of interact with the brand and shit as opposed to going to Paris and all that shit and kind of riding and trying to cat that wave or going to Milan it feels a little bit incongruent it doesn't really match the flow of what they're doing so I feel like when Harry Preston decided to move his brand back to New York and kind of do Paris do his fashion week during New York Fashion Week I feel like it's only going to be a net positive to the brand storytelling overall I just don't feel like this is a necessary story to tell in Paris with 444 Labour Group, I think it's kind of intrinsic to Berlin, if not Amsterdam, but definitely Berlin. But hey, what do I know? Big team doing this, isn't it? It feels like he kind of oversees it as a creative director, but there's a lot of people working behind the scenes putting this actual shit together, which again shows you how, you know, the, the industry, the business side of fashion is an interesting part of it, I feel like overall, because the glitz and the glamour of it, they always make it seem like it's a singular creative vision that's responsible for the madness and for all the amazing shit you see on the runways or you see in stores, but there's loads of people who are, you know, who kind of go without, you know, fanfare and stuff who are really in the backgrounds keeping that machine churning, keeping it going along, right? Keeping, making sure the, the, the studio is done well and things are put in a certain way, graphics are on the screen, distributors here, talking to factories about the finishing on the jumper, about certain zip finishes, fixture finishes, materialing, fabrication, colouring. There's so many things that go into it and in the the kind of quintessential creative voice just says, yeah, I want this there, I want that there, I want that smaller, but getting it done is done by actual pros, actual pros who deserve a lot of credit, but don't get it because for some reason this industry is kind of, you know, praises um, the singular vision of people when really fashion is a collective industry, really. Without the team and a collective, they can't get anywhere with this. 
So naff, man. It was so corny to close. Oh my god. Uh, I bought this bag when I was 16, and now I have my own collabo. How crazy is this? Follow your dreams. I told you always. That's cool, I guess. I'll well, keep it in my bag. What's he got? You. So here's what it is inside his UG bag. I got what's that? First of all, I got this lip repair. Then I got my ear protection. Then I have my Guarana tablets from Amelie Lenz. Guarana tablets for Amelie Lenz. It's basically vegetable caffeine. Guarana. What the fuck is that? Never heard that in my life. I use them every rarely, so four times a day. Airpods, nose drop, so if you get sick, you can still pop your ears when flying. And I got undercover, we've got to keep a mask. What's that now? Not now a bit of collecting before Mao's shoe store from WWE. I'm super grateful that he is making this time. Unbelievable when it comes to crashing down on and you see the result of seven to eight work at all at once. Now we're on the way for a team dinner before the storm showtime. I will just answer all that, but I still need a little time. I get the sound. That's probably another reason why he has such a diehard fan base, isn't it? He does looks like respond to all DMs and shit, which is pretty cool. Because I always get annoyed about DJs and stuff that we go who act too big time. I mean, if if Harry Styles can say hi to his fans, then some of these cunts on the whore on boiler room have no excuse. Very produced work, <laughs> done video. Maybe I should start with the reaction videos. Come watch your reaction videos. I will hit pause and be like, oh, that's what trying to tell us about. Interesting life, continue. We're here in the showroom all day, dressed some people. I will dress some more tomorrow. I'm probably first because I'm German. One thing it does show you this lavish video this again these guys are at the top of the you know the top of the flipping apex when it comes to djs around the world and whatnot and their fan base and whatnot it may be but it does show you the amount of money that's involved in flipping dance music in general collectively that you know this type of i think pretty substandard clothing um and you know pretty uninspired music really for the most part is this popular and is able to kind of kind of support this many people like a boss is 
responsible for a lot of people's salaries. He's paying a lot of people's mortgages, a lot of people's rents, putting a lot of people for his school just because of this particular brand of music that he makes, a particular type of aesthetic he's kind of pushed out there, connection with the fan base. Like in this really, I think, niche, because dance music is a bit of a niche, especially people that want to go to clubs and stuff. It's not everyone that kind of gets tapped into this. So it's the niche of the niches, and he's really smashed it to this point, man. So it definitely shows you that there's a lot, a lot of money involved in this scene. Like if you really get down to it and you really kind of want to do it, you can make some bucks because these guys are out here eating in these lavish Parisian restaurants, whole team fully comped, his card behind the till, madness. Erstmal Paris Fashion Week. Nachdem wir in Mailand unsere Kollektion gezeigt haben, sind wir jetzt in Paris. Es ist keine Show, sondern es ist ein Event. Wir sind trotzdem auf dem offiziellen Kalender drauf. Deswegen ich freue ich mich mega dabei zu sein. Dieses Mal wollten wir den Leuten. So they have a showroom in, Pal in Paris, sorry, but then they show their actual collection in, pa in Milan. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, I think it just would have been a much nicer story to sell this in Berlin to kind of, you know, spruce up that Fashion Week, put that on the map while also kind of having it tie in with your actual brand and where you're actual from. But again, maybe I'm in the wrong there. ...zeigen, wie es ist, in unsere Welt einzukaufen. Deswegen habe ich mich dafür entschieden, ein fetten Rave an den Start zu bringen und die ganze Industrie mit in meine Welt zu nehmen. Überraschungsgast für dich heute. Vittoria Ceretti, einer der krassesten Models. Ich bin so dankbar, dass sie Bock hat. Sein Marquardt, langjähriger Freund, ist auch am Start. Ich freue mich mega, dass er auch im Lookbook ist. Und äh, Ufi, äh, Ufi, Ufo, mein Brody, ist auch dabei, deswegen wird das. But yeah, looks cool. You get the gist of it. Um, big up him and what he's doing. Looks looks cool for what it is, but I wouldn't be seen dead in some of this shit. And it's just interesting to see who actually is paying and buying this stuff in real time because it feels like a lot of people you basically see it wearing it. They say it would be people that maybe get it for free, but I'd love to see what the actual customers of this are. Um, you know, they'll probably open the store soon because of the investment involved. It'll probably just keep scaling up and up. But I don't know. Rave inspired clothing. It's a bit naff to me, a bit weird, but maybe. Maybe I don't get it. Maybe I don't get it. Anyway, this has been the Exxon's Intro episode number 660. Thanks again for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have your company. Um, if it's your first time, check out the show. You know what to do. Smash like, hit subscribe if it's your first time here. Um, if you didn't like the show, then of course hit down below. I don't really care to be honest. Any engagement is good engagement. I joke, I joke, I joke. But yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's been a real pleasure to have your company as per usual. Um, for those of you hanging around, the random show will be up. I think in about half an hour's time, I'll be back for the random show. But thank you again for tuning in to the Exxon's Intro show for now. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have your 
company big up the chat for hanging in there if you're watching the video portion of the show just fade to black but if you're listening to the audio version of the show this will of course not fade to black and you will definitely hear my tune of the day playing so if you want to hear my tune of the day then definitely check out the audio portion of the podcast you can find it on all platforms where podcasts are that is the Agassino Zynga show find it with all podcasts where platform all platforms where podcasts are and you can listen to it on there and also listen to my tune of the day but for now take care thanks again for tuning in it's been a pleasure to have your company I pulled up in that 18th letter repeat buggy Had to switch the hue cause I'm LA boy smuggy But more likely to get hurt by somebody who love me My lady she don't trust me, know I'm a sick puppy Know that women throw themselves at me and men want me Anything can happen for attention and rent money I got so much on my plate that's why I sit funny So many handouts, so much backbending So much entitlement, my family be acting in So many white diamonds, yeah I got jungle fever But they didn't raise me so shout out black women so much commenting, show me what you good at Tell me the highs of the valley that your boots stood at You couldn't fit in my loafers if you took a steroid And I wouldn't handle your baggage if I had a bellboard I'm really replying to text, barely enjoying the sex I got a pain in my chest, that's from suppressing the stress Lionel, he know me the best, told me I know the answer But Clancy, he gave me the best advice that I heard in a sec I need to call me a jet, I need to pack me a bag I need to give me a cab, and need some scrimmage and chess I could've bought me some land, I wouldn't flood at my neck I say this shit with my chest I'm like one of the best I'm a workaholic and I need to give me some rest I'd rather get these ideas off I'd rather not steer off my path I'm so scared of going back to my past I work, I swear it's hard not shaking that fear off White boys said I brag too much The black kids said it's inspiring Duality is tiring My girl would kill me if she knew the things I was desiring Suppressing it, get it out the way I put the sirens in, yeah I don't fuck with the paparazzi Never have I drove a Hellcat or a Maserati Never needed others for my personal validation She ain't get in touch if she cannot hold a conversation Never had a bulky Richard Mill as a wristwatch I never seen a mirror, never posted on TikTok I never had desire for promethazine in the soda Never made eye contact with a woman in Fashion Nova Never had to fit in no lane Never wore beats by Dre headphones to get a video made uh, Bunny hop validated, pedaling Hitting willies like Chris retaliated just look around, every opportunity allocated I put so many niggas on, you thought DJ Khaled made it From cold showers, I used to hate it Now spending 15 for the new roof, it ain't renovated I can see the ocean where I sleep and the house is gated No Calabasas, I brim wooded or palisaded The freckle girls articulating, all got me salivating Wallace and retailer with the trunks, I be playing Jenga The last two dog, I clean house, they mad I made it I'm so conceited, feeling myself ego masturbating I graduated, after album five I got syndicated you want the old tea? Sorry, G, that picture faded. Come get with me.